outside of India and welcome to Machan Visit the World podcast. I've been lucky enough to be studying at a university in Moscow with students from across the world. I want to use this opportunity to learn more about the different peoples through their stories. Join me on this journey across the world through stories told by the people that have lived them. With me, you're Machan. That means bro in South Indian languages. I hope you learned something new with me today. Hello everybody. We are back and I'm so happy this time cuz it is my first Arab country and it took us 18 episodes to reach Habibi land <laughs> but finally we are there and with me is Shaima from Algeria. Shaima, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The cheesy phrase. Great <laughs> <laughs> <Right> thing. <laughs> Habibi land. <laughs> it, It's been quite a journey so far. We've been to like a lot of places from the Pacific to South America and a lot of Africa. Lots and lots of Africa, but finally we are in the desert, the Sahara Desert. Save the best for the last. Oh, who said this was last? <laughs> but up to up to later variety yeah. of season 1 and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for coming. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure taking your time off from your exam week. <laughs> I am also taking time off from my exam week. We both should be studying right now, but we're doing a podcast about Algeria because Algeria deserves it. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a medical student here, third year, mm-hmm. studying in English, mm-hmm. and your English is amazing. Thank you. Uh, it's not that amazing, but thank you. No, it is because uh, once you start learning Russian, you kind of realize how hard is it to learn a language which is not spoken in your particular space. Yeah. And I believe Algeria, it's mainly French, Arabic, and Berber. If that is how the language is addressed. <laughs> yeah, we 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 study English as well, but in school. Yeah, we uh, definitely study English. Oh, yeah. that's that's pretty cool because like Abdel, he's the other yeah. Algerian I know, and he speaks English pretty good too. He does, yeah, because yeah. We, we study English like ah. in school, middle school, high school. Wow. So, yeah. so you study It's, French. We study English like two days a week, but French is like four four days a week, and oh. it, it, French is also used like in our daily life. So right. That's why we know French maybe. And what about Arabic? Yeah, of course, Arabic. In in school, how much time, how much days do you speak Arabic? I mean, do you study Arabic? You mean Arabic literature? Uh, do you study? We Ar- study in Arabic. Yeah, we study oh, in Arabic. So, so the medium of instruction is Arabic. And, uh, yeah, of course. Yes. And French and is like the first foreign like, language. French is the first foreign language. And English, English is, the, is the second wow. foreign language. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and uh, the two like official uh, national languages are Arabic and Amazigh. Uh, Arabic which is like and, referring to us, yeah. Which I was referring to as Berber, okay, yeah. which I, I, I'll yeah, stop referring to as, as that pretty soon, but yeah. just to introduce to the audience, mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool. And you've been in Russia for two years? No, three years. Three years, yeah. And how is medicine life in Russia? <laughs> well, I don't know, it's hectic, it's really, especially this year, this year is the toughest year, mm-hmm. everyone's saying that, but it's a bit easier because we're online oh yeah, now yeah. No, what that means is you can cheat during the exams isn't it <laughs> i did not say that. you did <laughs> not say that but i see what's happening in the library <laughs> wow i'm just being exposed now oh yeah your entire yeah. group is being exposed but i hopefully your russian teachers can't understand english or, or, did, or do they well 
Of course they do. Oh, this. Oh, they teach you in English, don't they? Yeah, they oh, teach us in English. Okay. <laughs> okay. I apologize to all the med students who have been collaborating in the library for the past two months <laughs> for exposing. Because they're just being exposed. Just, yes. Yes. Just yes. <laughs> and um, how has that been? Like you came from Algeria to Russia to study medicine, mm-hmm. and is that quite common for Algerians to come to Russia? Not really. Um, Algerians either study medicine in Algeria or they go to Europe. Mostly, mm-hmm. mostly they go to France. Mm-hmm. But um, coming to Russia is actually it's easier because um, if you do, for me, I'm talking. I'm gonna talk about myself. I did not get into med school in Algeria. That's why I came here. Okay. Because I was able to study medicine here. That's what I came here, and it's much easier to come here than to go. To France, I wouldn't go to France in either way, even if it wasn't easy. But <laughs> okay, we'll get to, we'll get to the re- the roots of that particular but, thought. Um, there's, I mean, the to go to France is very the process is very hard, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not like in Russia, it's easier to come here. Interesting. So, yeah, that's the case for me. Okay, and how would you rate the standard of education in medicine between Russia and Algeria? <laughs> Oh, definitely Algeria wins. Algeria wins? Yeah, oh. definitely, yeah. What makes you say that? <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's... Uh, the the only issue in Algeria is that peop- the, they don't have access to to, to like pr- preparation and to stuff that we have here in Russia. But A- access to what? To, like, I don't know, cadavers. And, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Not that much. That's the problem in Algeria. But teachers and the quality of education... Of medicine is better much, in Algeria. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because it, it's hard to become a medical student in Algeria. Same, same in yeah. India, same in India. Yeah. that's why most yeah, that's why stuff people come here because yeah. they <laughs> either could not find some a school that is affordable enough mm-hmm. in India, or the competitions for the schools were so difficult that yeah. Russia offered them kind of how to say a value mm-hmm. to spend their time in but the thing is when they go back there's this really difficult test they have to pass by the yeah, Indian medical yeah. board heard, do, yeah. do you guys have the same yeah or... we also have an yeah like um, we, we also have an exam to pass and stuff so mm. yeah so you guys you have to pass that in, yeah but I, I don't think it's as difficult as the Indian, Indian one, one yeah, yeah dude Indian, like when you have so many people and when like and you have so less colleges you try to make it as difficult as yeah. it can it's not a selection process it's a deselection yeah. process you won't like make it so difficult that people don't actually get to the higher levels mm-hmm. and only the very cream of the crop mm-hmm. get there so they make it such that so everyone can't get medical education in india so some mm-hmm. of them come to russia is it because places. like um for people who study in russia and they uh, go back to india is it because the diploma is not recognized or no? The the like medical education the Russian yeah, one is not recognized in India. It's or? kind of I don't know the exact peculiar the mm-hmm. details of it, but the Indian Medical Board does not kind of it needs you you need to prove that you can work in the Indian yeah. medical environment, hence that exam. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think what you're saying is correct. I don't think it's yeah. recognized by the Indian Medical Board. But it is a big problem for a lot of med students when they go back because yeah, it's like the pass rate is very difficult. Even mm-hmm. though the cutoff is like more than fifty percent is what's required, but the pass rate is difficult. So some people go back in India and mm-hmm. spend one year just preparing for that particular exam, and then they write it and mm-hmm. hopefully they'll pass. I hope people pass because being med is difficult. You spend six years of your life yeah. on doing it. So I, I every time I see a med student, I'm like respect, brother. 
you're doing something brother or sister you're doing something which you know i never had the self discipline to do so that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> and why did you like no not why like you s- were studying in a different uni in tambov which mm-hmm. is like a s- little bit a few hours from moscow mm-hmm. and then you came to ruden mm-hmm. what was that for the dis- decision behind that and how has that changed from a, si- a satellite city let's call mm-hmm. it not one of the main centers of russia to the capital of moscow how mm-hmm. has that change been for you well i have many reasons uh one of the reasons be- it's just because I've heard that education here is much better mm-hmm. so I wanted to get a better education that's why I came here mm-hmm. and also because of the language um like in Tambov they didn't speak that good like good French so it was hard to So you were learning was... medicine in French in Tambov Yeah yeah So this is the fun thing so there's a Russian university which teaches medicine in French and it's not just Tambov actually Astrakhan oh, Jesus really yeah and recently i think what is it called it's also it's not far from i forget what it's called but like there's like three cities that teach wow. medicine in French so they teach medicine in French in Russia and mostly yeah. the students are people from north africa or former uh, i mean yeah. french speaking post colonial yeah. countries which is really interesting and you told me there isn't a single russian who studies medicine in french no definitely God. not it, it's so but we have our reasons we study like we study in french because if you want to go back to our countries it's going to make it easier right. for us yeah. yeah it makes sense if you want to get into for the if you want to get into residency in your country the the exam which gets you gives you residency mm. is really hard in Adria so you right. like the language it makes sense yeah that, yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah that, that yeah but thing is russia offers that service french it is which i find kind of strange but also kind of like you know kind of like it gives an opportunity for you guys well the strange thing is that uh, they only offer offer it for like the first two years which I, which was a surprise for me because i didn't know I had didn't have any intention to come to Russia to study in Russian to be honest with you. Okay. So and then I I found out that it's only the first and second year that that are in Russian. I mean uh, in, in French. French. Okay. And then it's going to be in Russian. Oh my god. Yeah, and I was like this is not why I came here. Um I'm not going to study in Russian because I'm mm. not going to stay in Russia. Why would I like I did not have any interest to study in Russian. So why was there this communication gap between this the fact that four years of your education was going to be in Russian mm-hmm. and only two was going to be in France. Why didn't you know that before you came to Russia? Um I don't know. I think the the office which I came with because I came through an office who You mean like yeah, an agency? Agency. Yeah, okay. it's like agency. They did not tell me this. Okay. Maybe uh, I don't know. I tried to do my research but for some reason i didn't know this and right. i wasn't i didn't know anyone before i came here i didn't know anyone who said yeah because i was surprised that a lot of a lot of people that i know mm-hmm. they knew about this and a lot of people they did not know about, know about this that. so it was kind of like um it's like a dilemma yeah thing i yeah. cuz this is this is not an isolated case cuz i know a lot of indian students mm-hmm. who've been kind of how to say it, these agencies kind of not show them the whole picture of what yeah, yeah. They, what's about to happen in Russia yeah or showing you like a complete different picture and like. once you get here you kind of see 
whole different side of it yeah. and people are like i paid almost a thousand extra dollars mm-hmm. that is true. and once i got here i kind of realized that that's not the fees that the university actually charges yeah, and that true. goes through the agent and those kind of stories are very common to be honest between students and once you get here and you invested so much money and time into it you kind of feel like in a bit trapped because yeah. i do I've, I've, yeah, i have had conversations with people who kind of felt like that so it is very important mm-hmm. when you do come or go anywhere for higher education to make sure all the details mm-hmm. which language you're going to be studying how long yeah. what, if the degree is valid in your own country all that are like taken care of right because yeah, i yeah, met a lot true. of people who didn't do their due diligence and yeah. are not very happy at this point of time <laughs> but hopefully that's not the case for most of us who yeah, come to russia hopefully. so i was rooting then Ruden, how uh, Ruden. I love Ruden actually. The most thing that I love about Ruden, like a friend of mine would say, it's like a supermarket. <laughs> a supermarket for what? <laughs> what are you like, shopping for here? Because so so many people are from so many people from different places. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about Ruden, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the diversity and everyone. That's yeah. what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah, supermarket. Supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> Go shopping for people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's what, you know, that's what I, I also like about the place. That's that's what the whole that's podcast what, yeah, is for. True. And, you know, it's so interesting because you meet someone pretty cool every day and you can just yeah. ask them for the podcast without, without like, <laughs> sounding like I'm, like, selling Bibles to somebody saying, you need the part of the Lord. Do you want to do a podcast with me? No, that's not the vibe I want to get. But that's how we met, right? Like, yeah, that's how we met. So I, I tell you, like, I was talking to Clayda and... Anar and there was this uh, seat right behind them and it was filled with sugars. There was like one candy bar, one yeah. waffles biscuit and one big coffee. Latte and I was like, anything. yeah, one latte. And I was like, God damn, the, the person who consumes this much sugar has a special place in hell. <laughs> that that mean that. Yeah. But like, I'm kind of like against sugar since I came to Russia. So I every see, time I see yeah. so much sugar like over there, it's my time. I'm like, instantly catches my hand i'm like oh that's a sin <laughs> no one like whenever i want to eat sugar I, re- I remember you like say oh that's a lot of processed sugar <laughs> that's good that's good like I'm, I'm a it. sweet person but should, i still eat it though. you still eat it yeah so god <laughs> <laughs> you gotta resist that and then you came in and like you told you from algeria and it was really interesting and you had a lot to talk about and i was really curious about algeria too because for me there are three parts of the world which i want to live for a few years before i die one is latin america other is north africa Mm -hmm. and the third is um, england or germany really yeah North Africa, let me guess, because of football. All three because of football. (laughs) All three because of football. And North Africa has been really fascinating for me. Mm -hmm. By North Africa, I mean Tunisia, Morocco and Algeria. And to a a lesser extent, Egypt. And Uh, Libya. I'm sorry? Libya. No, not interested by Libya at all for some reason. (laughs) Mainly because I don't know any of their footballers. Mm -hmm. So, and... There are these football clubs from Morocco called Vaida Clasablanca yeah. and Raja Clasablanca, which are like yeah. insane yeah. supporters group. Algeria, I don't know any football clubs, unfortunately. So I've been fascinated by this part mm-hmm. and I was really looking forward to meet somebody. And I met you and Abdel. But Abdel, I don't know, Abdel is not 
I don't think he's a suitable per- person for a conversation about the things you're going to talk mm-hmm. about, and you are the suitable person. <laughs> so I was really lucky to meet you. So yeah, yeah that's how we met. Meet you, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about where you're from in Algeria. I'm from Khenshla. It's called. It's like in the east of Algeria. Okay, let me pull out a map. Yeah. Let Let's Let's define. I mean, like locate Algeria on a map. Okay. It's in the north. Who are your neighbors? North of Africa. Who are your neighbors? Uh, Tunisia, Morocco, uh, Libya, and the sea. <laughs> <laughs> the sea. sea is our neighbor. Yeah. Okay. So, and Algeria is the biggest country in Africa in terms yes, of it's the, area. Yeah. Biggest country of Africa and the Arab world, mm. tenth in the world. So yeah. So where is your city? Okay, so it's somewhere here, and I cannot see. Literally cannot see. So I really can't like. Uh, What's it called again? Khenshla. It's K. It's yeah, like I found it. I found it. Yeah. Khenshla. Mm-hmm. Okay, dude. So it's like, at least from the the map, it's like des kind of like a desert. It's it's really not actually. It's like in north of the desert, but it's not the de- desert. Yeah. Okay. So which part does the desert start? Because in the like, map, everything that looks white for me yeah, is a desert. Yeah, yeah. Everything that's green is not desert. It starts somewhere like... Okay, let me... Here? Is this Tebesa? No, Tebesa is not a desert, but somewhere here. Okay. Somewhere here is And everything desert. south of yeah, that the, is the yeah, Sahara Desert. Yeah, two million kilometers square. This oh is the Sahara. Yeah, and the rest is... Dude, that's yeah. crazy. Cause, and, like, most of the population lives near the sea. True. And... Most of the oil is... <laughs> America, you listening? <laughs> Wait, yeah. so... How do... There are... But there are cities which are very infrequent, but there are cities like Adar... Yeah. In Salah. Like Bashar, in Salah, yeah. Tinduf in here. Oh, yeah. Tinduf, too. Tinduf, yeah. Why are they like so scattered away and how do the roads through the deserts work? Well, unfortunately, they, they don't really work. People really suffer in the sauna. It's really, people cannot really travel between, between cities. It's really hard. There's really, rare, like you can rarely find roads, to be honest. But on the map, there are like really, these big highways. But, you're but saying- yeah, but like, for example, from from Ain Gizem, which is like here, mm-hmm. people really cannot go to the closest hospitals or the closest cities to. Do the get closest stuff. cities look like thousand yeah, miles away? Yeah, imagine. Wow. Yeah. So what do people do? Oh my God! People, people are suffering. I don't. They no, but they, how, they, they've been living like that for thousands of years, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, they. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, they've been living like that forever, and, and they have everything. It's. Kind it's, of self-sufficient. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because everything that Algeria owns is from the Sahara. From the desert. Sahara is the desert. Okay. Yeah, from the desert. So, But people in the desert, they are the less fortunate people, unfortunately. Mm, less fortunate in the terms that they don't have access, they don't to, have access modern to modern yeah, medicine they don't technology have... and all the things that we take for granted. Yeah. But do you think they kind of feel they live like... Less of a life. Definitely, they do. They do definitely. Hmm. I would live. I would feel that to be honest. Definitely, because when you don't have like medical access for people who want to get surgeries, I don't know. They ju- they have to go to the north. Imagine tra- traveling from here Dude. to here, just to 
just to go for, to a doctor. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not fun. But mm-hmm. just traveling for traveling's sake, I would be like, yo, I'm crossing the Sahara <laughs> right now. But if it's yeah. like a medical emergency or if it's something that you actually need to do, then yes, it yeah. would be quite a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. And and like your neighbors are also kind of like the desert countries in a way, right? Like Libya, Libya, Mor- yes. Morocco, Mali. Morocco, yeah, Morocco, yeah. And all the things, the Sahara spans from the west coast to the east. Mm-hmm. God, this, yeah. this is like how do you say, the Oasis Al Aladdin version that <laughs> we've been like shown as Arabia in a way. Mm-hmm. For us, Arabia is that the picture Al-Aladin of the Sahara, yeah, yeah, big big sand dunes. Uh, camels. It's more of a picture of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. 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 For me, I, I consider Sahara to be kind of the same mm-hmm. in that sense. Deserts, oasis in mm-hmm. the middle, and there are these palm trees coming out yeah. of it, and all these camels running, not running, ca- camel <laughs> trains. Of, yeah. They call it caravans, right? Yeah. C- carrying all these things. Is, is that the image of Algeria which you as an Algerian would say kind of describes the desert part of Algeria. Yes, uh, I mean, yeah, it does. It uh, like camels and stuff. Definitely, it does describe our Sahara. Yeah. And are there like these tribes living in clans yeah. near an oasis? Yeah, yeah. They're, I'm, I'm like recently. I think like two days ago, I was watching a video of some tribes living somewhere here, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. Me as an Algerian, I didn't know that I. There's this instrument, musical instrument. Like the Oud? No, it's not Oud. I don't even know what it's called, but uh-huh. it turns out to be Algerian. Uh-huh. And it's there's only one person in the whole world that's who, can still, play who can play it. Wow. She, like one one only person who's left alive, wow. which is this woman. Oh, and it's then, a woman. Yeah, there's some activists who are trying to uh, like build schools and trying to learn teach mm. more people so it wouldn't. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't know. I didn't even know that it exists. It exists, to be honest. And I'm Algerian. Wow. Yeah. So, so why do you think these nomad? So they're nomadic, right? They don't stay in a particular place. They move. Yeah. Why do you think these nomadic people still choose that nomadic life of moving from an oasis to the next oasis, depending on the season? Why do you think they have kind of, in a way, rejected mm. modern society of the north and chose to stay in the harsh and yeah. difficult? life that they live in the desert. Difficult for us. Difficult for us. Maybe for them it's quite normal. Mm -hmm. But why do you think they chose to live like that? Or have they been kind of not allowed to integrate into the wider modern world that we take for granted? I think I have two theories on this. First theory is that um, this is these people they were they were this is how they were raised it's like it's their life mm-hmm. they they chose this life not that they were born like this but they love this life too but the second theory is really to go to the north and stay there it's uh it's difficult especially if you go to algiers and the capital and other cities you can really it's difficult when it comes to earning money mm-hmm. but yeah, that's why maybe. So I'm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And is it kind of this? I, be, I, I would say that it's maybe it has to do with earning money because you can earn a lot of money in the in the desert if you're willing to live in the desert. How? 
because it's it's rich it's super rich and even doctors are offered a lot of money if doctors this, uh... if they just if they decided to work in the desert mm. yeah but the thing is the the life conditions are not really yeah yeah helping true yeah i don't think you get good internet here <laughs> <laughs> of course so do these people kind of since these borders mm-hmm. are like pretty much on paper border but in the sahara desert is nothing yeah do they like transfers between countries do they go to mauritania and mali while i don't think so no, how do, think why, so. why do they respect the borders of algeria were they like what no, to... why should they respect the borders of algeria because it's like an arbitrary line somebody drew on a yeah, map that is true but... but in the desert it's nothing they can literally go on to the other side they can yeah that's why we have like so many refugees from mali and from niger but but it's not really possible you know yeah. it's crossing the border of another country and it so yeah is it yeah oh. only for like people who would like you know trade like oh okay. illegal so that was like <laughs> no but, but... I mean, police are accomplished so but Oh, so yeah, do you, yeah. do you have like border guards in these borders? Definitely, we have. Yeah. All over the desert. Yeah. Wow. We do. Dude, because you cannot like like leave your country like this without any. No, I, yeah. I, I was just thinking because there are these nomadic tribes which mm-hmm. live in the borders of some countries. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get one example which I read, but I kind of forgot at this point. But they can like cross over between the borders. they depending on the season mm-hmm. and the governments are like chill because they are nomads who like go from here to yeah. here so they don't kind of like respect I'm sure the they will if they could mm-hmm. when they could they, they would do it yeah but right. generally speaking this is definitely not, not the case because this is a very dangerous area so in, in what yeah. sense like in sense of um, insurgency armed groups and uh, stuff okay. so uh, So you guys you guys make sure the borders yeah, are tight. Yeah, definitely. They're secure definitely, especially those areas. Mm. And I, I find that you guys have a national park in the middle of the desert, Tasil in Azer. Yeah. I fucked up the pronunciation. How do you say it? T A Tasili, Tasili. What's called? Tasili is like the it's a symbol of the desert. It's so beautiful. It's a resort. What's up? This is the only place that I in my opinion tasili and maybe hogar that it's really that uh, that they worked on see wow dude this looks like seen from the moon yeah. martian <laughs> I, i think i've seen these human yeah. cave drawing sort of stuff you been there no i haven't unfortunately how do you get there do you have to drive all the way from algiers or do you guys can fly oh, you, can, you can fly uh, yeah you can fly uh, okay we can drive Whoa. I've always wanted to go there, especially those years. But you, you definitely should not go in summer. But in winter, I'm here, so that's why. Uh, ah. Yeah. Oh, what's what's the temperature in the summer, dude? I'm asking these I mean, childish questions. I know because, but for me, the desert is something which I've never seen in my life, and it's something which I'm so fascinated about. So, Algeria in general is hot. Like in my city, it's can get into forty degrees Celsius. Wow. But in the south, it's definitely more. But but it's cold in the, at night. It's cold at night. It's well, really well, how, how do you define cold? What temperature? I don't know. I guess ten. Wow, that's yeah. That's really. It's really good actually, for like it can like, be like six five like at night. Uh huh. Yeah. That's quite a it's, big. Yeah. Fluctuation. It, and it's so it's beautiful at night. Beautiful. Mm. And that's why the nightlife is more. Yeah. More people come out mm-hmm. at night. 
damn. I never lived in a desert. I never seen. But I, I, a lot of Indians go to like the Gulf countries, so yeah. they kind of know what living in the desert is. And when they come back, they're saying, "Bro, living in the desert is the weather is so much better than living in Kerala." Yeah, which is my part because yeah. we have like so many mosquitoes and humidity. They're like, "I am done yeah. with this shit. Let me go back to Arabia." And the people there. Um, I haven't been to like many places, desert places, but the people are like. Are the best Algerian people ever. Really. I, I, I learned a word people today. Are... I learned a word today, maybe. Bedun. B-E-D-O-U-N. What is... Bedun. Um, you mean I, like Bedou? I learned it from my Egyptian friend today. Let me show you what that means. Uh, Bedun. Bedouin. Ah, Bedouin, yes. Yeah. Bedouin. It's Bedou. Yeah, it's from Bedou. Arabic oh, word. What uh, does that mean? It means people who are who lives in tribes in those tribes. So yeah. So an Algerians also have Bedouins. Yeah, we do definitely in the desert. So the people, the tribes that live in desert are called yeah. Bedouins. And my Egyptian friend was saying like they're the most hospitable people. They in the are. World. And they the, they have the kindest hearts. They're like you, these people are amazing, really. Oh. And they they live in such hard circumstances, but still, they would offer you everything they have. They would like. Yeah. It's part of their culture to like be so Definitely. hospitable so to visitors. So hospital, yeah. Wow. He was, he was like saying, you should like check out the Really, Bidoons. really. Yeah. True. That's pretty cool. Now let's go up to the Mediterranean coast where most of the people in Algeria live. Yeah. And I think it's quite logical why that place is... It's it's where the most amount of uh, irrigation, I mean, so agriculture is, mm-hmm. where the port cities are. And... The interesting thing is, like, when you talk about Algerian history, there's so much history there in this small piece of land near the Mediterranean mm-hmm. Sea. So, I don't know. You take it away. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to talk about I have history? No idea. Where should we start from? I don't know, man. <laughs> mm, okay, let's let let's let's define what a Berber is, mm-hmm. just so that you get that out of the way, okay. and then we can build from that. So Berber. As far as I know, mm-hmm. uh, was the term that the Greeks used to refer to the people living in Mehreb, mm-hmm. which is the region of mm-hmm. the fertile region of North mm-hmm. Africa, which today encompasses Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria, Egypt. Does it Mehreb? No, not no. really. And does it have Mauritania? No. So these three. You're talking about Maghreb, Maghreb uh, or yeah. talking about like Berber? Maghreb, Maghreb is like Al, uh, it's called the Grand Maghreb. It's Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco. Algeria, Tunisia, yeah. Morocco. Three of the countries which I like for their football <laughs> is the Maghreb. Mm-hmm. So the people who were living, the tribes who were living mm-hmm. there, the Greeks used to refer to, to them as yeah. the Berber. Mm-hmm. But the people who actually lived there don't use that term. They yeah. use the term Amazir. Yeah, Amazir. Amazir. Yeah. Okay, my pronunciation. It's okay. Don't Amazir. And Berber actually comes from the root of the same word barbarian, barbarian which yeah. kind of means like the people who don't talk my same language as me or have my same customs. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, Berber, depending on the person, some people might like it, some people might not. Yeah, it depends. It doesn't, I think it depends on the person who say it. Some people would say it because they don't know. Mm-hmm. For example, remember when we first met, you we were like, do you know anyone who's Berber? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. No, it, no, it's fine. Because it, if you don't know, it's fine. But ah. some people would just say it because they want to tell you, oh, you are barbarian. Oh. Yeah, that's when we take it as a... Oh, so it depends on the intention. It depends on the intention, definitely. Okay. Not if the person know or, or knows or not. Oh, okay. And as I told you, I think a lot of Algerians... I take it as a compliment. And a lot of Algerians... Why do you take it as a compliment? Because we've been called 
as you said, Berbers are the ind indigenous people who lives in North Africa, Mag Maghreb. But we've been called this for a reason because of their insane, stubborn resistance against uh, conquer conquest. That's from anyone. From anyone, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, if you're going to call me that, because I... <laughs> That's a badass I, name to call yeah. somebody, yeah? True. <laughs> true, true, true. But uh, I'll try to, like, since I know you now and since I know the history, I'll try to use the word Amazir. Mm -hmm. Going on from here. But in case I do make a mistake. No, I don't. Like, don't good intentions only. Yes. <laughs> so, let's start with, with, with... So, how do you guys... How do you guys... What are you taught in school about history? Where do you start at school when you talk about Algerian history? Oh, we start way back from the like when the Roman Empire, like uh, when the Roman the Roman conquerors came to Algeria and North Africa. Mm -hmm. A time of I've learned like I don't know his name is in English, but his name is Yogurta. Yogurta, I think his name in English. The, the Yog ruler. yogurt. What? <laughs> No, the ruler of Algeria at the time when we had uh, Romans, the ruler when we had the Roman when the ruler the Roman conquerors came. Okay, I think in English it's called Jugurta or something like this, but I don't know. Anyways, this is where we start. Okay, in school. In school, and then uh, we learn about this, and then we learn about uh, the Islamic uh, mm -hmm. conquerors to Algeria mm -hmm. and to North Africa. The Ottoman Empire, mm. and then obviously the infamous French <laughs> colonialism. Yeah. Who's next? <laughs> Thankfully, it ended at French. So you divide into four periods: the classical. No, we definitely, we definitely learn more. So mm -hmm. just like yeah, this is the what broad. Like, yeah, this is like from yeah. Classic. We have a classical period. We have an Islamic period. We have an Ottoman period, and we have a French period. Mm -hmm. So let's try to stick to that. Mm -hmm. Can I just ask from the beginning, how, where in from which language does the term Algeria come from, or Algiers come from? Algiers being your capital, which language is that? Al you mean Algeria? It's it's Algerian. It's Arabic. It's Arabic. Arabic. Yeah. Does I don't it have any it, meaning? Uh, actually, like, it's. Jazeera means an island, but I don't like know. Like Yeah, but it doesn't oh. have like it's not really related. To be honest, it's not. I don't even know why it's called like this. But I know that it's it's used to be called Numidia. Yeah, but yeah. that's a proper we, Greek name. Yeah, but we still like it's we. Everyone knows that it's Numidia, and mm. yeah. But yeah, Al Jazeera is from like the the plural of Jazeera, which means an island. Oh, wow. It's not relevant, but <laughs> I yeah, don't but know how it's. Mm. It's become like this, but okay. Yeah. Okay, because I actually never thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> now you do. Yeah. You that's the first thing you're gonna Google outside. Oh, where did that Why come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Cool, cool, cool. And one other thing which I noticed is like you have a city named Constantine. Yeah. How do you say that in Arabic? You really want to hear that? Constantina. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Constantina. Constantina, yeah. Okay, cause it's a cool. Cause oh, it's a beautiful city. Oh, dude, I don't know, man. Like, what? bridges. And one thing I noticed mm -hmm. once I came to Rudin is like I became so obsessed with maps and I started going over each country. Mm -hmm. I found that like Alexandria in Egypt, in which is a proper Greek name, mm -hmm. Greek or Latin name. 
I never realized that North Africa, which for me was extremely Arabized Islamic mm-hmm. part of the world, would have these proper Greek names. For example, Constantine, which kind of made me curious about the that period in history where these were part of the European or Western school, or let's say classical school yeah. of thought. And it was really interesting. So let's start with that. Like you were part of a few Greek, I mean Greek and Roman kingdoms. Yeah. What has, how has that affected your history? What can you see like remnants of that part of history today? Yeah, you can see like, like you you were showing me Tassili and Hogar. You see like the uh, the stuff there. What should I search for? You search for um no state. What is it called? Uh, is it wait, bad no? Wait, let me write that. Tassili Hogar. No, no. Let me write this. Okay. No, I'm gonna, yeah. Ruin, mm-hmm. Roman, yeah. Batman. This is like, yeah. Dude, that's, what's that a Colosseum or something? Yeah. Wow. And these are like... This the, like even in the sun, like in the sauna, though, you find stuff like this. So, so these are like Roman temples with mm-hmm. pillars and stuff? Yeah. And these are in like the middle of the desert? Yeah. Wow. No, this is not in the middle of the desert, but this is in... This is near where I live, actually. But there's stuff in the desert, but not that much. Because they didn't get to the desert. Right. Yeah. They mostly the stick to mostly the, they stick to... The coast and yeah. the fertile re- plains. Wow. This is super cool. Yeah. And who are the people living in Algeria at this time when the Romans came in? Were they like different tribes? Yeah, definitely different tribes. Or was it like a kingdom was... as such? Or was it like just... Like, chieftains not a kingdom where it's quite big enough mm-hmm. but small governments of t- tribal clans together yeah like s- it depends on the region like this i don't th- it be, the whole north africa it wasn't just algeria it True. was tunisia and morocco also they were included mm-hmm. and they, there was a Numidia empire I think mm. like uh, that was an Jugurtha. empire. Yeah, that was uh, not an empire. More of like they had a ruler, which is Jugurtha, but people kept their tribal lifestyle. Mm. It, that was North Africa. It was it, it was it has always been like the tribal. It, it's still yeah. It's, it's a real always, wild west. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the north, mm. that's always the, was the case. But they had like their ruler. Okay. Jugurtha, yeah. And, and during this, and during this Roman Roman era. Was there like an exchange of ideas and let's say religion or language between Algeria and the rest of the Mediterranean part of the Roman Empire? Religion, I don't think so. Def- there, I would say they tried, but but people what, was, it, was was Rome Christianized were, at this time or was yeah, it pre-Christian? Yeah, Rome? because they were Roman. They were it was Christian. Yeah, at this time. At okay. this time, yeah. Uh, what is Augustine, his name. Yeah, Augustine. Yeah, Augustine. Yeah. yeah, he's like a lot of people and people who followed him. They converted to Christianity, but it wasn't like it wasn't like in like the Islam conquers. Okay. It wasn't as uh, intense. I okay. say people stayed. What is it called? Paganism. Paganism. Yeah. yeah. Paganism was a major thing. That's why uh, coming to why we're called Berbers because not. Imagine yeah, you the, don't, you, yeah, we don't, don't really accept things either. You don't conform. Conform, yeah. Mm. I, after all of this, and people stayed being uh, pagan. pagan. Right. 
And uh, do pagans exist even today in Algeria? No. no. So uh, it's no. like people are religious now. Not what paganism. about are they like these tribes that never came in contact with the Islam? Islam is in Algeria. Yeah. No, not really. Almost all the tribes Almost have the tr- yeah, accepted yeah. Islam. I would say that a lot of them, maybe a lot of them, have like their traditions. Still, have like you know, old traditions. Mm-hmm. You know that, but. All of them are introduced to Islam. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And I also found like Roman ruins of Jamila. Uh, yeah, Jamila is like in. Space. Jamila actually means beautiful, right? In it Arabic. is, yeah. yeah. You know why? Because I used to watch football mm-hmm. and I did Arabic commentary, and every time there's a good pass, like Jamila. <laughs> and I kind of, I, I don't know, I didn't know the meaning, but I kind of like. And then Jamila is a name of. Muslim girls in India, so I kind of like. We also call. Uh, it's a, yeah. It's, it's a woman's name, yeah. right? So I kind of like connected. Okay, Jamila means beautiful because if, the, if it's a good pause, then it's like <laughs> Jamila screams. <laughs> so I connected that. Mm, this is pretty, pretty Roman, yeah. pretty intense. Pretty interesting. And then the Romans, and what about like exchange of people? What, did like Europeans come? Europeans mean Romans come? Mm-hmm. And was there like um, mix yeah, of people for sure. happening yeah, at that time? It happens all the time, like in yeah. Cyprus. Yeah, definitely. And people, it, you mean like, and the after the Roman came, it's not that indeed, not that not only indigenous people. That yeah, are, yeah, definitely. It happen. I think it happens with every Everything. kind of uh, every conquest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People would stay there, and people, you know. Would marry each other so it will have yeah because thing is like i recently found out like the northeastern part of india currently afghanistan pakistan mm-hmm. and north sorry northwestern part of india it's like used to be part of it was the western most region of alexander's let's say short-lived kingdom mm-hmm. and it, it, it then it became like the parthian empire something like that and there was this huge Greek influence on us to us being the northwestern mm-hmm. part of modern India. And which for me was really fascinating because there are these cultures which are so far away, but the influence was able to transport itself from yeah. ancient Greece. And I can see that in Algeria too, which I didn't know until I started doing research mm-hmm. about your Roman and classical mm-hmm. period history, which was really cool. And next part is the arrival of islam yeah take it away <laughs> well i think it was i don't remember but it was like 500 i don't know uh, I'm not yes remember, not relevant so, yes yeah, not, relevant. not relevant it's like the yeah. story that counts <laughs> but it was like yeah i think it was after prophet muhammad peace be upon him died when the can the i just conquest... interject to you and ask I noticed in English writing, mm-hmm. every time you mention the name of the uh, prophet, mm-hmm. you say, may peace be upon mm-hmm. him. I was reading this book by Malala Yousafzai, yeah. and every time she mentioned... Muslims say that, yeah. But how, do you say the same when you speak in, in Arabic. Arabic? Yeah, definitely. How do you say that? Ali salatu wassalam. Ali salatu wassalam? Uh, yeah. So, do you say... We say it, it's like we... we we say, peace be upon him. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what we say. Every time you mention his every name. Every time we mention his name, yeah. So, so if you say you say Muhammad and then yeah. you say Ali Sal Ali Salatu Wassalam, yeah, we Ali say the Ma- yeah. Oh, okay. Because I noticed that while I was reading it, I didn't have anyone I could yeah. ask at that point of time, but now I do. 
So, yeah, that's really interesting. We do say that, yeah. Okay, carry on. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry for interjecting. Yeah, and they came. It was the. It was during the Umayyad. Umayyad. Yeah, Umayyad. Uh, yeah. Umayyad Caliphate. Caliphate, yeah. And they tried. They tried really hard. 62 years of trying to, to conquer. But, yeah. They started. When they started, it was Queen Dehia. That's the Manchester United Dehia. goalkeeper who missed a penalty against Villarreal in the final <laughs> and sent me into depression. So De Gea hurts my heart, but carry on, I'm so sorry. Wow. <laughs> she fought. She fought real hard. She stopped them. So De Gea was like a... She was the queen. She was the queen of the of the Berbers, of the Amazigh. Okay. Yeah. Was the she, led, she led like brutal resistance against the the Islamic conquerors. But at this point in time, okay, yeah, was the Amasir like a coalition of tribes or was it like a kingdom? It was a kingdom, yeah. It was a kingdom, yeah, so it was, had many tribes in it. Yeah. Okay. And she was she was she's actually from my city. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hometown. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And she. Yeah, she like she fought against them. What else? What do you, what do you want to mention? You ask me because I don't know what to. <laughs> no, I mean the after. I mean, especially in the time of the Umayyad mm. uh, Caliphate, the expansion of mm. that oh, yeah. uh, kingdom, mm-hmm. as well as the expansion of Islam, mm-hmm. was almost very like almost how do you say explosive because so many territories became under this caliphate. And you guys actually fought this. Yeah, it was one of the most, like, I think, as far as I know, like, Egypt and some other uh, places, it, was, it wasn't it was that hard, mm. like, to to expand there. But right. but North Africa was a very hard one because people resisted. resisted. They really resisted, yeah. And there is this... Because it was, it was brutal. Yeah, and, it was, yeah. And they was, at that point, they were seen as foreigners, right? They were Arabian tribes mm-hmm. from the Arabian Peninsula, mm-hmm. more than the Saudi Arabia yeah. and Yemen and Syria, yeah. all these places who mm-hmm. were coming into this new territory. Yeah. And it was kind of, how do you say, they were like a desert people, desert tribes who used cavalry as their primary mode of attack. And you guys were kind of the same yeah. in that sense. It was not like a, a, a cavalry fighting a infantry army like mm-hmm. they were fighting the Byzantines. Mm-hmm. I'm not very sure with this part of history, but from what I read, I think that they were also fighting the Byzantine Empire at the same time mm-hmm. and the Iranian Empire yeah. too. I forgot which empire was at that time. So that made it even more interesting and not interesting like more difficult to conquer but at one point it did get conquered and yeah north africa became islamic yeah how and people welcomed that after that yeah i I always like 62 years of resistance people were like they fought they and then after they finally were able to to conquer people were like embraced islam and people really try uh, were starting to convert into islam why do you like, think that happened i think because they saw in islam they like they they knew that they needed islam at the time people were pagan and they understand they understood the real value of islam like it came for peace the way it that the way that it comes mm-hmm. it's just like it's not that we, because when when they came 
They were like, we're bringing you the religion of peace. Uh, After 60 years of yeah, war. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But then people understood Islam, so they, yeah, they accepted it, I'd say. And at, they also, they failed. I mean, the resistance failed, so. Was it? So you're at saying at some it point you like you have to. You're saying it wasn't forced upon the people there. It, it was forced at the beginning. Mm-hmm. No, it's the idea yeah, of Islam. Yeah, the idea of Islam definitely it was forced. That's why they resisted. Right. There's a saying that uh, Queen Dahir said, "If you are okay, let me translate that because I don't know this in Arabic." She said, "If you uh, if you say that." We are because when they're saying conquerors, when they when they were coming, they said we are bringing you peace. Mm-hmm. She said, if you are bringing bringing peace to us, then show us what's peace and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then like show me what what the hell is this peace you're talking about okay. and everything, and then just leave, like right. stay out of my land. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, because she said I I don't see peace in what you in in what you do. Right. Yeah. And I believe they had a they had a complete different idea about starting conquering the North Africa. You mean the Umayyad? Definitely, mm. they didn't know that. Uh, Shit's about the, to get yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. But, But you know what's more interesting well, is that after people, indigenous Amazigh, uh, start converted into Islam, they themselves participated. In Islamic yeah conquest in other parts we will get to that yeah. this is the most important it's the most interesting part for me well but let me like let me stick to that part again do you think like Islam was an effective tool for um, empire building for expanding your territory in these parts because if you look at the modern map of the world mm-hmm. Islam is in very distant places with a huge amount of population for mm-hmm. example Indonesia yeah. I had a po- I had a podcast with Indonesia and those were kingdoms which weren't taken over by force like the way North African or Egyptian kingdoms or the Caucasus kingdoms yeah. were they kind of were embracing Islam in a way and those kingdoms kind of got this political tool if yeah. I may say to unite a group of people mm. under one particular theological mission same can be said to an extent of india mm-hmm. because india has the second highest population of muslims in the world mm-hmm. and but we we can't it's not the same as indonesia because we had a bit of conquest coming in from yeah. the persian parts of that but there are other parts of india too like where i live we never had like a islamic ruler but we do have a sizable population of muslims too yeah so do you think as a north african who does not come from the arabic yeah. root of arabic tradition of islam that islam was an effective tool in empire formation in in like conquering other people who are different to you but bringing them under the same belief as you and hence forming a more cohesive empire what do you think about that Personally, I don't think it was necessary. I don't think I don't believe that my religion states that you have to conquer in order to let people accept Islam or mm-hmm. to show them faith or to show them I don't know to 
I don't think that was the that was necessary. That's a very not everyone would like say up not to say. Uh, I think that the Arabic or Islamic conquerors change change a lot of our culture. They uh, they try they stop people they try to stop people from talking in their own language. That's why nowadays there are really really few people that speak in Amazigh. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really few people, and that's that's personal to me. But I'm talking about from personal perspective. Of course. Yeah, and also the fact that you said like you gave Indonesia as an example. They they it's a, the the largest Islamic population in the world, but they, never they did not need. Yeah, they did not need to be conquered in order to become Muslims. Right. So yeah, that's like my take on this. But it does serve as a function which unites people who might have been different for example let's say there are two different tribes Mm -hmm. who have nothing in common and two different um pagan gods Mm -hmm. but if you unite them with one theological figure you can bring people who did not previously have anything in common together that is true that is true and that is like the from that's the point which i was trying to make because if you want to build such a big empire with different people and it's not exclusive for islam too because mm-hmm. if you look at the history of russia yeah. the kievan rus they were also different warring tribes until they decided to like bring everyone under one particular uh religion yeah. hence people who are different have something to be christianity as well Christ- like, yeah yeah definitely yeah that's what i'm saying like the, the if the influence of religion in empire building is yeah. something which I find really interesting because it's this cohesive glue which keeps people who are so different from each other true. together for a particular cause. That is true. And moving on with your history in Algeria after this Islamization, if I may call it, <laughs> or the Arabization. Arabization yeah. <laughs> How did that? How do you think that changed your population when the... Like, obviously, everyone became Muslim. Mm -hmm. And like you told, Arabic. Arabic, yeah. People were... People... I, like, started to identify themselves as Arabs. Even Even, if... Even Amazigh, yeah. But they they still, like, try to uh, save their language and not change. But now, now, like, it's not really that... Because now most of the population in Nigeria are indigenous, no, are not indigenous Amazigh. Most of them are like from Arab countries. Oh, how do you, how do you, okay, so let's define what an Arab is. Okay. Does an Arab mean a person from the Arabian Peninsula? Mm -hmm. Or does an Arab mean a person in the Middle East who is a practice? of Islam. It has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with with Islam. With with Islam practice. So what does in Algeria? In you mean like what's an Arab mean in Algeria in general? In general, I mean. In general, Arab mean people who live in the. In general, people who live in the Middle East and the uh, and the North North Africa, which is Grand Maghreb, Uh are like the are Arab. 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 So that's it. You did not. It's not one. How do you say? ethnic group no it's not Mm-mm. it's not based on religious no it's not so there can yeah, be arab no, christians there can be arab jews there can be definitely. arab tree worshippers <laughs> yeah any religion it can yeah. be arab it's basically a geographic distinction a of geographic people from north africa middle mm-hmm. east mm-hmm. 
but does not include Iran. Yes, in yeah. Iran is not included. Iran, in, Iran is included in the Islamic world. It is included in Islam, yeah. but it's not it, Arab, it's not, Persian. It's not Arab, it's Persian, yeah. Okay. And let's draw the other boundary. The Caucasus people are also not Arab. Yeah, they're Muslims. They're Muslims? They're yeah, also Islamic world. Islamic world. Yeah. Turkish people are not Arabs. Yeah. Indonesian people. Are not Arabs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the Central Asia yeah. thing. I mean, sorry, the Middle Eastern part. Fine. So North Africa is also Arab. Mm-hmm. So now let's go into the ethnic makeup of the people yeah. in Algeria. So if you are Arab, does that mean you trace your ancestry to people who came from Arabia? Yes. It does mean that. Yeah, to people who... to, to conquest. This is how you uh, trace your ancestors. Oh. This is what it means. Okay, yeah. so if you say you're Amazir, that means... That means that, you are, that your ancestor, ancestors are indigenous. Oh. Yeah, and that like, it means like people are still talking in Amazir. And, okay. Yeah. And it's, it, actu- it actually it has to do with um, geography as well. Huh. Because where Amazir live in Algeria are known. For example, from where I, where, where I come. Okay. Khanshla and Batna uh-huh. are known to be also Amazir are... cities. Okay. Yeah. And also in the north, uh-huh. there's Bijaya. Okay, search for Bijaya. Yeah, I found Bijaya. Bijaya, Tizi, Wazoo. Uh-huh. Yeah. These are known. If you tell, and if someone asks you where you're from, who is Algerian, where you're from, and you say, I'm from Khanshla, I'm from uh, Tizi, Wazoo, they know that you are, uh, oh. that you are Maziria. So what if you're like mixed? Adam? Yeah, you're, definitely. So how would you self-identify if you're mixed? You would... Uh, I think we identify as Arab. Okay, there is a story. Because even in Amazir, we have different Amazir. Mm-hmm. Not like different, but uh, the Amazir which are here, mm-hmm. which are in the on the north, Tizi, Wazul, and Bijaya, these are the most... Uh, they consider myself more Amazir, really. They, they, they are really into the fact of being Amazir. Okay. They don't consider themselves as Arabs. Okay. Uh, they know Arabic, obviously. They study Arabic like we all do in schools. Okay. But they mostly speak in Amazigh or, or in French. Okay. Just like that. So if you go to one of those cities, wow. people would speak just just uh, Amazigh. But uh, they know French and Arabic. Th- they know, definitely. Right. But, they, but for us, for where I come from, I mean, at least for my family, we consider ourselves both Arabs and mm-hmm. Amazigh. Okay. And... We know Amazir, mm-hmm. okay, I know Amazir, but not everyone speaks Amazir. Like mostly elderly people, mostly like your parents, your grandparents. That's it. Oh. it yeah, in my, where, where I come from, it's not really. It depends on on the family. My father is really like tough about this. Okay. Yeah, especially with me, he always like yeah, you have to talk in Amazir so oh. you wouldn't forget the language. That's also important. Yeah. Wow. But but in uh, as I told you, like the two cities, Tiziwizu and Bijaya, they are mo- more. They don't consider themselves to be Arabs at all. Wow. Yeah. Dude, this is really interesting. And they believe in the Amazigh Algerian country. Uh, I'm sorry. They believe that it should be Amazigh Algerian country, not an Arab country. Wait. They really believe in in things like that. No, they, they believe that... That, yeah, that Algerian uh, is Amazir, Amazir country, and, not, and it's not an Arab country. So is there, like, tensions between these two groups of believers who believe 
Algeria's atmosphere and others who believe it used Algeria. to be in the 90s. In, in, in what sense? In, poli- in a political sense. Because f- in a political sense, but it doesn't. It's not really among people. No one goes around saying, "Oh, you're Amazigh, you're Arab." Oh, uh, no, it's not like there's that. There's no social no, hierarchy no, 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 or anything no, no, no. based Definitely on that. Definitely not. Okay, no. that's like, yeah. But for, for, for can I, if I speak from my perspective, since yeah. it happens so far back, I think, yeah. I think you guys would be like kind of you guys would be like Latin Americans in a way where. It, the mixing happened to such an extent you can't really say if you're True. Arab or yeah, you're Anasir. exactly. You're yeah. kind of like yeah. both, but, you know, you can't... It's not like black and white. True, in, in, yeah. In all sense of that term. True. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah. So let's keep on talking about your history. This is when you guys had your chance at being the conquerors <laughs> and start then decided to like, yo... See that small island over the Gibraltar Strait? Yeah. It's called Spain. Let's go <laughs> let's go check that out. And started the Al Al Andalusia. Andalus. Al Andalus, yeah. Tell us that story. So wait, wait, wait. Can I just can I just interject before that? Mm. When did wait, when did after the Arabs and you became a part of the Umayyad mm. Caliphate? How did Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia became three parts? Should we talk about that now, or does that come later in your history? Um, I think it comes later. I'm not really sure about this, but I'm pretty sure it's in the 19th century. Okay, cool. 19th. Then we'll yeah. t- talk about that One, then. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's go to Spain. <laughs> let's go to some Spanish beaches. So tell us that part. So obviously when North Africans accepted Islam, mm-hmm. and... It was Tariq ibn Ziyad who participated. He was called, his name is Tariq, 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 you know the mountain, Tariq ibn Ziyad, mountain Tariq. No, 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 let, let me okay. check that out. Could you mind typing goes, Tariq? Yeah. yeah. What else should I do? Tariq ibn Said. Ziyad. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> in India, if, if I read an Islamic name in India, I would okay. actually be correct. Is that a ma- Okay. What he's, are we looking for? He's, no, I was telling you that, uh, remember when I told you that they didn't embrace Islam, firstly, mm-hmm, but when mm-hmm. they embraced it, they themselves, themselves participated participated in... Uh, the expansion. In the expansion. And he was the one who... Dude, can I... This, who led the... The yeah, conquest to, of to Spain. Spain. Yeah. So, for people who don't know, like... The Spain and North Africa are like really close. The Strait of Gibraltar is like how many? A few kilometers? From the Moroccan part. From the Moroccan part. Yeah, it is. They yeah. are like, but I think that like 15 kilometers. 15 kilometers. People actually swim from Morocco, really? I swear. Wow. <laughs> to Spain. Okay. Yeah. After my marathon, I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, so. But at, at that time, Morocco and Algeria, I mean, Algeria and Tunisia were. It was like a whole. Whole. One, yeah. part, one entity of yeah. the caliphate. So. You guys decided to invade Spain, which is the which in Arabic is called which became Al Andalus. Yeah, So I don't know if most people know about this, but Spain, like almost Spain and Portugal entirely, uh, as of now, was a caliphate, and yeah. it was I think. It is like for three hundred years. Yeah, for a long time it was a Muslim area yeah and there was like a lot of intermixing between the population of the native 
Danish people yeah. and the North African and some, maybe even Arab people. Mm-hmm. So that which is a really important and fascinating time period in Spain's history. So what do you guys how do you guys see that part when you guys were like you guys could call yourself Europeans like yo we were chilling in Ibiza and okay, Barcelona. Yeah. I would talk in general I'm not going to talk about myself. So in general this is like a huge victory, a huge accomplishment. This is how Cons- most for of whom? like for whom? For for Islam. Okay. They they people would say that Yes, at a period of time we were able to expand Islam mm-hmm. to Europe. Mm-hmm. We were the powerful, the most powerful empire in the world. At that point in time, that, that point, was yeah, true. That was true. So it's like, yeah, people feel that it's a huge accomplishment. But personally, I don't think so because it takes us back to why do we really we do we really need Islamic conquest to, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But in general. People are really proud about. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's a very. Do people know about this part of history? Like. Yeah, we are taught this in school. Mm. We definitely taught. Because I learned about this very late, but we yeah. don't talk about European history like this. But I learned it very late about El- yeah. Andalus. Oh, we are taught about this. Mm. Yeah. And definitely, history is like. It's uh, it's really. We like. We are taught about history a lot, so yeah, especially if something like this, and if it's considered an accomplishment, if mm-hmm. it's considered that we've done something, yeah. When you define we, do you mean the North African Amazigh no, or the Arab? No, it's about this thing, the Andalus part, it's about Islam. As such. Yeah, it is about Islam. This is why, like, yeah, we were. <laughs> Plus one Islam. Yeah. <laughs> it's... For me, that's really interesting. If I like to make an observation, yeah. when I was here for the FIFA World Cup in 2018, mm-hmm. Tunisia was playing England. Mm-hmm. And I saw Tunisian supporters. And with them, I saw supporters of Algeria. Mm-hmm. I saw supporters <laughs> of Iraq. I, even though Iraq was not participating, they were like fans yeah. of the Iraq flags. I saw people from Kuwait. I saw a Kuwait flag. Arab unity. <laughs> it's called Pan-Arabism. Yeah, and it is. Is pan-Arabism, it, I, kind of, I think the question answers by itself, it's, is the achievement of one Arab country considered the achievement of the whole Islamic Arab world? At least during that time, like you told, you told that plus one for Islam, mm-hmm. it considered as like yeah. a win for everybody yeah, of that. definitely. And is, is there a part of that feeling even today? Yes, of course. I mean, like with the recent events, what do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely there is, but yeah. in a way, it's like, like... In a way, I was just like thinking about this today. In a way, in we're like, we're one big divided country. This is what we are, Arab countries. This is what it, for me, this is what it goes. We are not supposed to be like this. We're supposed to be one big country, or one big Arab, like the, like the European Union. This is how mm. we are supposed to be. Yeah, but uh, we're not. <laughs> but, all, like, but, but like the people, mm-hmm. you, you, were just, you were just giving an example about football. Yeah. Even even when Algeria, when Algeria was qualified to the to the World, what is it? World Cup. World Cup. It, it, Tunisia Arab country, yeah, yeah, no. And before, like in 2014, it was Algeria. Yeah. Yeah, 2014. 
when it was like the only Arab country, all Arab countries would support Algeria. Exactly. Yeah. I find that really beautiful. Yeah. I don't think, do, do you think if one European country... Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> if the English... Yeah. Dude, I, I'll give you another example. Germany was getting, was playing South Korea yeah. and Germany was knocked out and Sweden... England, everyone just swarmed around the German fans were like, you're going home, you're going yeah. home, Germany's going home. Oh my God. And I was like, I don't want to be a German today. <laughs> and I saw the exact opposite in Alge- when yeah. Tunisia was playing against England. Tunisia actually played good that game. Mm-hmm. Like they lost to yeah. 1-0 or 2-1. Yeah, I think it was Tunisia and Egypt, also Morocco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Egypt yeah. was also Tunisia there. Tunisia was the last one to say, yeah. And I, fo- I found that... Very beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful because you have all these people from different countries who I w- I wouldn't be able to able to em- uh, empathize with that because I come from part of India where just my state speaks my language. Yeah. But thing about being Arabic is you Beautiful. have so many people from different parts who speak the same language. Same language, yeah. And the other foundation of the religious. The religious, thing. definitely. It is. Something really powerful, which I yeah. respect. And I hope at one point in my life, if I'm able to learn Arabic mm-hmm. to a neck, at least a conversational extent, yeah. I can really explore that. And like I told you, North Africa is on my list. <laughs> Please, I want to live. Okay. But that is that comes from this, right? Yeah, it definitely. Religious, religion is the, is the reason. It comes from this. Yeah, definitely. Right. And also, I think not just this about the how people really the like the nature of people. Do you see like we're called third world countries, the mentality of people. I think it has. Oh, you know, I'm called third world country. We are, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it like in you were talking about the in Europe when when like what the football example. I think I don't know. I think it goes back to when first the first man. I don't know. This is like okay. I want to hear it. <laughs> Let it out. I don't think it's just religion because even if we talk about Berbers, Berbers when they uh, when they resist the Islamic conquer, they were really united with each other. They like they thought that Islam or Arabs coming to that would would uh, like destroy their unity. This is this is the thing. It's because people they really into that family thing and you know I don't mm-hmm. know if you get the idea or not, but I, I know it's really confusing. But because I really think of this that it's not just religion. It's see like when you say that white people are different from black people, it's the same idea. When it comes to not just like the color of the skin, mm-hmm. the idea that the white man can do this can do this stuff and black man can do this stuff. Right. I think it comes to that as well. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's Dude. just like me thinking. So you're saying it is a characteristic of the people. I think of it, this. it comes to the way we're created. I this is my opinion. I think we're created to be, to. To love everything that it's, to love that unity and to be in like oh if it's an Arab oh yeah I'm gonna support him uh-huh. yeah I think so I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure if you get the idea. I'm, 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 I'm also not sure if I do get the idea of what you're trying to say. Let's, let's forget about it. But we will try to come back to that because okay. there will be other places in the conversation where that 
sentiment comes again. Mm. So Al Andalusia happens, and um, Spain was for three hundred years an Islamic caliphate. Yeah. And thing is, at during that time, the Umayyad dynasty kind of collapses in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And the contradiction is, the last part of Umayyad dynasty was actually in Spain. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? True. So the thing is, Umayyad dynasty collapses in Saudi Arabia, yeah. and the last, let's call him prince or king, mm-hmm. was actually in Spain. So Spain was. The last, the last stand of the first yeah. Islamic dynasty or True. Islamic caliphate. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, history is so history, interesting yeah, is so in interesting. that way, isn't it? And then the few years later, the Reconquista started is when three countries from... There's a small empire in the north of Spain and King Charlie, man. I, I'm getting the history wrong, but... The Reconquista started and Islam was driven out of Spain at mm. one point and the last caliphate was... The, and last caliphate was, I think, Granada? Yeah, Granada. Granada. <laughs> yeah. Dude. We're going to say it in English like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> in Arabic? Yeah. Wait, I'll, say, I'll give you another example. Mm, Cordoba? Cordoba. Oh, see? Spanish becomes <laughs> Arabic. And Gibraltar? Gibraltar? Ah, yeah. How do you say it? Is it Gibraltar or Gibraltar? I'm not sure. Not really sure. Okay. Mm. We'll Google that. What else? Valencia. Valencia. It's the same in Arabic? Valencia? No, yeah. It's, no, it's not Arabic. It's, uh, uh, it, it's... We say Valencia in Arabic, yeah. Oh, okay. If we, if we, it's not sure. Malaga? Malaga. 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 It doesn't, doesn't mean anything in Arabic. No. Malaga. Malaga? Uh-huh. No, Malaga is like another... It's in Arabic. It's what does it in mean? Arabic. Doesn't oh, mean I angel. have no idea. Doesn't mean angel. No, but it, it's something spiritual. Is it? Because yeah, in my language, it is spiritual, really. But I'm not sure whether I'm not. I don't know the word. Because malak, malaka in my language actually means angel. Malak. Malak. Malak in in uh, in uh, in Arabic is angel, but malaka it has another name. It has another meaning. What I'll say. What it just shows like queen. I don't think it was. Hmm. Well, we'll see about that later. Okay. Cool. Malaka. So Islam is driven out of Spain and then things go on the reverse. You get Europeans coming into North Africa. Yeah. 1830. No, no, no. That's, no. Wait. By European, I mean the Ottomans. Ah, yeah. Oh. Tell us about that because I, I'm, I, I'm very poor on Ottoman history. Could, could you tell us about that? Okay. Ottoman history also... Um, you know that the... Algerians they consider the Ottoman era as the their golden area because Why? Uh, we were not treated as well as we were we were badly treated with the Arabs coming to North Africa mm-hmm. but with the Ottomans it was very people really loved the Ottomans coming to North Africa and yeah it was it's a huge empire that's what people would say yeah they I don't know We've learned a lot of stuff from them, and we were we Algeria was very strong at the time. We had the very very strong military forces, oh, and I, we were yeah. At this point, was there a distinction between, distinction between Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia, or were all three? No, it together? wasn't. Uh, it was all three together. It wasn't okay. really there. Wasn't really a distinction. So I think it, the distinction is at the end of the nineteenth century yeah, oh. when the. Uh, La France. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how 
how do you i think most people who were muslim who have been under a part of the ottoman empire kind of consider it to be a, a point of pride in a way because it was such a powerful empire in a such uh, yeah, most of them and not all of them not all of them yeah. yeah because they weren't really i mean I think uh, North Africa was an exceptional uh, mm. case because yeah we were not we were not badly treated at the Ottoman uh, era so yeah but for others I think in the Middle East like in Lebanon and some countries it's a different case scenario oh. yeah how do Arabs mm. view the Ottomans generally like generally speaking like they view them as conquerors. Mm-hmm. Because they, I'm not really sure about Arabs like in the Middle East. How did they? But okay, let me tell you. <laughs> the thing is, you know that like like in Christianity you have Catholic and Orthodox and it's not the same. You have Sunnah Shia and Shia. And Shia. I would say that the Shia were the most affected people by the Ottomans. Affected so in what sense? They were Negatively. brutally. They were okay. brutally treated. Yeah. Okay. So they Shia were being usually yeah, on obviously. the. So so in this case you would say that you have two uh two point of views of the thing right yeah so the sunnah part and the shia part the, the shia, shia part, were brutally, what, brutally I, lebanon is shia lebanon iran is shia, iran is shia what part, part else is iraq. shia iraq iraq okay. yeah okay kuwait no kuwait bahrain oh ah, yeah, yeah bahrain shia but bahrain was part of ottomans i'm not sure i'm not, I'm sure, not really sure so let's but yeah but like for algeria it's not the case everyone loves that one empire hmm. because yeah and do you like does the islamic world consider the ottomans to be the islamic world's answer to the big european empires at that time which were yeah. like the it was because it was the we always talk about this it was back then it was the opposite because europeans would come and study in our countries it was the complete opposite case scenario oh, what do you mean It was the Ottoman Empire was the strongest empire in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, like now we go to Europe, we learn like I don't know French, and we learn the languages we learn in that countries. Right. Back then, it was the opposite. You yeah, mean... people would come. Europeans they used to study Arabic, mm-hmm. and they would come to North Africa, mm-hmm. to other Ottoman Ottoman lands, and to study Arabic and to study, I don't know, the literature and other stuff. Okay. Yeah, because it was at the. You saying it was at top of the world at the time. It was. It was definitely the opposite of today. Right. Yeah, the Ottoman Empire was the first word, if we would say that today. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. It's, it's, the, it was like how do you say the peak of education and. Definitely the peak of everything, not just education. Civilization. Everything. But yeah, everything. It was. At, at that particular point of time. At that particular part of time, until it became the sick man of sick Europe. Man of Europe. <laughs> I, I still find that name kind of funny. Yeah, it is sick man of Europe. <laughs> yeah, and everyone decided like slice it up. Yeah. I think that's where all the problem that we're yeah. dealing with started right now, even. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Oh, And what about the Turkish language? I always have this question because Turkish language is really strange for me because yeah. it is they had one of the biggest empires mm-hmm. in history. But 
not all part of that empire speaks Turkish. They the Arab part was able to keep the Arabic. Yeah. The your part is able That's to keep. That's a different the, difference between the. They empire. never imposed their culture on others. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to say the, about that? In this case, there was an exchange of cultures. How? Um, if you see the Tur- Turkish language, they have lots, lots of Arabic words. Persian I mean, too. Yeah, but like Persian, I'm not sure. But Persian, yeah, mm. definitely, yeah. But like, we didn't have Persian <laughs> conquerors, so yeah. talking about like the Ottoman, they definitely have a lot of, uh, even in food. Halwa. Yeah. Baklava. Baklava, yeah. Uh, samsa. Yeah. But like baklava is yeah definitely Turkish and we have it now. Yeah. Everything, a lot of stuff. Uh, I would say lots of stuff. We there in this case there was exchange of culture and. Why do you think and 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 the thing is I I really want Turkey on this on the podcast one day because mm. the Turkish language until the nineteen twenties I think used the Arabic script. Let me just confirm that. And they decided one day to just change it to the Latin script, which they use right now. So they just like, one day decided, okay, kids. After they adopted secularism? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So why do you think Turkish, which is like a completely different language group from Arabic. Arabic Mm -hmm. is Semite, Turkish is like Mm -hmm. Turkic language group. Why did they adopt the Arabic script? I'm not sure if... You're the person I should be asking, but... Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I would say that it has to do with religion. But you said 1920, when they stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely, at the time, 1920, it was the end of Ottoman. And at the time, the Ottoman, there's nothing called the Ottoman Empire. Right. So, you know, after that, Turkey is a secular country. And the, right. I would say, in my opinion, I'm not really sure. The 1928. Why, 1928. So yeah. the reason why they uh, adopted Arabic letters, it was because of Islam. But after that, it was a, it's a secular country. So I'd say that. Like, it's, yeah. mm. So I don't know. I mean... It's not really... Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, the, like 1928, it's not really... Uh, they don't rule uh, with Islamic uh, basis or it's not an Islamic, I don't know, yeah, but still. empire anymore. Still, but you've been using a particular script for X amount of years, mm-hmm. and just because you decide to become secular, you change it all of a sudden. I don't know. Maybe we should ask that question to a Turk. To a Turk, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it would be. I think it would be really interesting. This is Arabic, right? Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm really fascinated about that particular change in language. Imagine being a teacher. Yeah, no, ma- like... last Friday you were teaching everything in Arabic script. <laughs> On Monday you're like. Latin. Mm, I should check the dictionary, <laughs> kids. This is eight. <laughs> that would be it. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I really underestimated the influence Turkey had until I came to Russia because I kind of realized that the Turkish influence on a lot of places from the Balkans to the Caucasus yeah. to Turkmenistan. To, to it's quite. It's definitely like the European and exact, the American influence. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting fact, Turkey had a small colony next to Indonesia. Really? Really. Turkey tried to colonize, well, let's say... Um, Turkey or the Ottoman? Sorry, Ottoman. Yeah. Tried to colonize a part of Western India. Really? Dude, I'll send you a video, you have to see it. No, I wouldn't call it colonized, but had a war for territory against mm-hmm. the Portuguese mm-hmm. in Northern India, supporting for or against an Indian prince. Kind of, they wanted a vassal state in India. If, Interesting. Dude, you have to see that. Dude, I, 
I don't know, man. Like history is so intertwined. It is. You yeah. never and you never know who's right or who's wrong. You never exactly. know. And you never <laughs> if know. This is true or not. And you yeah. never know until you talk to people. True. I got to know about the Turkish uh, influence of t- t- trial of colonialism mm-hmm. in Indonesia from the Indonesian mm-hmm. podcast, and I was like, wow! I didn't know Turkey was down to colonialism yeah. and stuff. It was really interesting. So let's move on till. The dead man, I mean, the sick man of Europe kind of yeah. dies. <laughs> And what happened then? You, you what were happened Turkish... then is that, uh, obviously, it's the sick man of Europe, so it's a weak, it's a weak empire now. I don't, mm. I don't think that we can call it an empire by then. But it was weak, so it, it wasn't able to protect its uh, like lands. So, and Algeria was, the one of the, was like one of those lands. Then it was 1827. Mm-hmm. 18, it was 1827 when in France it was Charles Charles the Tenth. Okay. Yeah, the king of France. It was Charles the Tenth. That France was really, it was the situation in France was really bad. Mm-hmm. So um, then it was Napoleon was in Egypt. Oh yeah. Yeah. 1798, his first conquest of Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in Egypt and. It started with they 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 bought like uh, wheat from from Algeria. They were what? What is it called? I forgot the word. I heard weed. No, wait, no. <laughs> they were weed from wait, Algeria. Wait. I don't even know. Wait, let me see. Uh, <laughs> I also heard word. I always forget this word. Let me tell you. Then you should have. Then you should remember it. <laughs> Wheat. Yeah, weed. I, said, I was like, I said it true. Yeah, I said it correctly. I heard weed. Uh, imagine, yeah. imagine that. The French always bought wheat from Algeria. <laughs> Anyways, they bought wheat in order to support Napoleon's project in Egypt. Long story. And then they refused to pay us back. Hmm. Yeah, French people. And it was very, really bad. Like, question, question. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So were Algeria kind of helping France colonize Egypt? Yeah, if you see like from that perspective, not help. I don't know. It's I think it was trading. <laughs> <laughs> then that entire slavery was it's just trading. <laughs> Cross Atlantic slave trade. It's just trading. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Where did the pan Arabism go then? <laughs> Economics. Economics. <laughs> it works like that. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, carry on. Anyways, they refused to pay to pay us back and. Um, the the day day in it's a Turk it's an Ottoman word it mm-hmm. means like ruler mm-hmm. it was Hussein Day his name is Hussein Day mm-hmm. anyways he was a ruler of Algiers at the time so he was asking like all the time you have to pay us back you have to pay us back and uh, and then the Charles the tenth he sends his counselor Pierre Duvan his name mm-hmm. anyways and there was this incident who was really famous. Uh, it is. It's called the fan affair. Okay. They were arguing about you had the fact that they have to pay their debt and everything, and then the day pointed with his fan towards the the consul. The French guy. The French guy. Uh-huh. And this was the excuse to colonize Algeria. What? I swear. <laughs> and then they're just like the French forces invaded. Uh, was Algeria. pointing a fan? Was it like it, an insult at him? It was an insult. Yeah, uh-huh. it was, it's considered as an insult. Some was, some said say they say that 
he hit him with the fan. But from our part of it, we said that he, yeah, that's true. He like, uh, he pointed that at him. Okay. But it was, it was, Algeria was already on the project or North Africa was already on the project of colonialism because Mm -hmm. of the economic, uh, the economic, no, the economic problems back in France. So Mm -hmm. Charles X needed to, uh, I don't know how to say it, people has, you know, so yeah, go to Algeria. So you haven't to worry about economy and you haven't, you don't, we wouldn't have to worry about economy to distract in a way to distract the French people because he was... Uh, Distract by expansion of... Yes. Because, yeah. Wait, would it... Unless Algeria has something to give in return, would well, it yeah. make economic sense to invade and colonize Algeria? Just even if it's just for a distraction, because in the long term, you're expending money for expansion of your empire. Yeah. And if you don't get something but, in return... Yeah, yeah. First of all, it's a rich country. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it was part of the stickman of Europe, mm-hmm. so it's it's really the, at the time it's it's it, it was easy to invade Algeria. So they know that even if people wanted to resist, they didn't have the mean. Mm-hmm. So militarily, France was much powerful. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's like. It's, and it and, was. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think uh, you. you Algeria, you said, well, unless Algeria has something to give, it's a rich country. In terms of what? What? In terms of wheat. Yeah. One example. What else wheat. do? What other resources? And I think it, it started uh, at the time. I don't think it started because they did. Obviously, they didn't discover oil at the time, so mm-hmm. they didn't know. But also from this, it started uh, to distract the French people from the economical problems in France. So yeah, just go to to. Because they would live like a free life and they would take people's lands. Obviously, this is how it, how it started. And then it, they started their expansion in all that area. That okay. was in 1830. And it was, they did an actually interesting thing well, that they only used half of their forces to colonialize that area. So it, it was... It wasn't as... Of half of the forces they they prepared, it wasn't as hard as they expect, expected to conquer Algeria because it was a it was the time it was weak. Oh yeah. Wait. So did they like bring the forces from it's Egypt a, or? No, no, no. From Egypt, no. The Egypt story is just like the where the problem started, where the depth started. Okay. To help Napoleon, but the the forces they came from France to Sidi Fraj, which is the harbor mm-hmm. in, in Algiers, and then they. It was easy to conquer Algiers. What was mm. hard is to expand in Algeria. But the, when they first got in, it was really easy. I told you, they just used the half of their forces because mm. it wasn't as hard as they expected. Right. Yeah. And then... Going back to the segment of Europe, that was the reason, yeah. Ah. Uh, because if the Ottoman Empire would fall, we fall also. Did any other European powers contest France at this time? Because... You know, Europeans were like fighting each other for colonies. Did anyone yeah, else show it? Yeah, I yeah. think Morocco. Yeah, was... Morocco had the Spanish. And what what happened then? And then they started to expand, but uh, here when the resistance started, it wasn't formal resistance, like uh, the uh, the first in the big in the nineteenth century it wasn't formal. So we mostly tribes mm-hmm. uh, with regional resistance we mm-hmm. had people like i don't know if you when you were searching it like people like people like 
Lella Fatman Sumer, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. These are like the most common people who really, really fought, who brutally fought the the French. The French. Okay. And uh, the Prince Abdelkader. These people fought really. Uh, yeah, you know that third, like in the f- third, third, the third people, third population of Algeria died. One at the third. Time. Yeah, one third. Fighting the French. Fighting the French. This is like before the formal colonization, r- r- mm. the r- revolution. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And tada! Algeria became. Became yeah. French. You say Algeria with a French accent. Uh, Algeria. Oh, what? <laughs> how do you say Algeria? How do you say Algeria in? In French. No, how do you say Algeria in Arabic? Algeria. How do you say Algeria in French? Algeria. Yeah. yeah, the first one became the second one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't pronounce either. <laughs> Interesting thing. We call it Algerians call it Zayr. Really? Yeah, like really. How... It's called the, it's it's like in Arabic in a classical Arabic it's called the Jazair. Uh huh. But Algerians call it Zayr. Zayr. Yeah. It's like the Egyptians call it uh, Mas Ma Mas- Mas- Masr. Masr. Yeah. yeah, it's in Arabic. Masr. We also call it Masr. Oh. It's classical. Arabic. So Egypt is like an English name. Egyptian English name. Algeria is. Is Algeria, yeah. That, that was one of the questions I asked you in the beginning, which language the name came from, Algeria. Algeria is Arabic, yeah. But, but Algeria, Algeria, it's like the anglicized version of it. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, French happened. It was interesting. Mm. I think it, this is the... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me check my episodes. Because I did uh, Senegal. Mm-hmm. Then I did... Uh, Vietnam, mm-hmm. and now I'm doing Algeria, which yeah. are three French, oh, colonies French colonies together. Yeah, yeah what? Senegal, Vietnam, and Algeria, which are three French colonies together. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like no, wait, 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 wait. Okay. I did. I, wait, wait. <laughs> You're not gonna get there. I, you're not gonna get. <laughs> I did Ethiopia in the in the middle, oh, and Ethiopia yeah. is gonna come out after Vietnam, which uh. is gonna come out tomorrow, and then you are the next one. So that's like almost together three French colonies, and all three had, all two had really different French colonial experiences. Yeah. I think from my perspective, you are the, Algeria is the most, I'm, I'm making up words. You said Al- Algiers, yeah, Algeria. I'm sorry? You said Algiers or what? I'm sorry, Algeria. Yeah. Algeria is the most, I'm making up words, franchised <laughs> country because Vietnam, not much French things remain there. No, no, they don't speak French. North Africa. Not the most French. Franchised. Yeah, franchised. I made three words up today. I said Islamicized. I said Arabicized. <laughs> and I'm like Frenchized. People who make English grammar, they're going to like, they're going to use this as an example of how to not make words <laughs> up in the future when they're teaching somebody. But anyway, let's talk about oh, how... Oh, also, yeah, in Africa. We're talking about Africa, yeah. But also countries in the Middle East, they are also... But mostly North Africa. North Africa. Yeah, Algeria, yeah. Morocco, Tunisia, French wise. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about why the French were incentivized to franchise you guys. Because they could have just yeah. done a Turkish thing mm. and just kept you a part of their empire, mm. kind of like taking your resources and stuff. But they were incentivized to teach you French and yeah. as of now your I mean majority of your population speaks French mm-hmm. it's one of your official languages mm-hmm. kind of the same in India like we English. use same yeah. way use English you guys use French what was the incentive for the French to civilization <laughs> that's what the English <laughs> yeah, call it, that's what they say, yeah. really it's really 
it's really it blows my mind that they have this idea they they rationalize and justify their colonialism with oh because we're civilized we're civilized and we want to civilize people and when they are themselves they almost like blew the whole word not once but twice <laughs> what do you mean by that like the word war oh okay yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i mean true really really okay but in uh, let's call it the civilization mission in <laughs> other parts of the world yeah christian missionaries were an important factor mm-hmm. in that civilization mission let's call it america where mm-hmm. tribes were like the native tribes were mm-hmm. forcefully converted into mm-hmm. part of the civilization mission same can be said in south america too but that was by the french and the po- I mean, sorry the spanish and the portuguese yeah. india to a certain extent what was the think, yeah. yeah you i've seen sorry i interrupted you i think all european colonialism had the same had the same way yeah civilization yeah that was like the number one excuse that was a thing because we want to civilize them and stuff and also they had one excuse i learned about recently because see after like the what what after what was happening in europe and the whole uh, church massacres and Christianity, what would happen to Christians and everything. They, they had this excuse whenever they say, oh, there's Christian Christian popularity popularity in this area of the world, so we're going there to save them. Mm. Yeah, that was also an excuse. Did that work in... How it did... Were, it's, I think it worked for the people, for their people. Okay. Their people? I mean, like, if you would say, okay, let's say Charles X would tell the French people... Ah. After, after colonizing, after, yeah, and the he's talking to Christians, Christians who've been massacred, who had their families killed. Right. You have your brothers and your sisters in religion are being massacred in this country. Right, so right, let's go, right. yeah. Like that's the that's the concept of the Crusades, right? Yeah. To get back the Holy Lands from True. the yeah Muslims, but was there like a French attempt at this sort of? Christianization as part of the civilization mission in the North African territories of the French colonial empire. I I think it was in, in it was indirect because not like a direct trying to make people Christians mm-hmm. way, but it was indirect because they 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 didn't let people go to mosques. They would burn mosques. They wouldn't let people to. They wouldn't allow people to teach in Arabic or to study in Arabic. That's why a lot of people back then, even our revolution leaders, they know French more than Arabic because they weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to study in Arabic or mm. yeah, if they wanted, yeah. That's interesting. Mostly being burdened. It's like you're trying to impose your culture. Impose your country, culture, yeah. And religion. And re- yeah, top. everything. It's not just the. Interesting. Yeah. And. What, so how do you think like French became so much a part of your culture? It comes to this. It comes back to to the, to their policies and the way they treated people. I mean, they literally would kill people if they speak in Arabic, if they teach Arabic, and people would secretly teach uh, teach each other mm. Arabic. We have. Uh, the science the scientific islamic organization that it was late in the 20th centuries it came in order to 
to protect like the language to teach people Arabic and to teach people Islam all of this was mm. was not allowed yeah definitely this was played a major role while still nowadays we speak French and we have a right yeah and it's it's not just it's not a small period of time yeah. it's a 132 years it is relatively not a long period of time compared to some other colonies yeah. if i'm being honest but, but it, it colonial, is a, yeah but we were talking about the french colonialism yeah it's like those one, guys, yeah those guys went hard yeah they did <laughs> i don't think the the english one were english, like, are, ki- english they, are kind of chill they're like you guys play cricket on the side yeah. <laughs> french is like yeah Yo. were they like trying to by the way like trying to impose their culture and their so the british as the French would do. British, like, from an Indian perspective, the British yeah. did one, two things quite efficiently. One was divide and conquer, mm-hmm. in which, like, yeah. the British did not want to invest a lot of Englishmen mm-hmm. abroad. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they made sure each ruler had a reason to fight against each other. Yeah. And each religious community had a f- reason to fight against each other and suspect each other and this made sure all Indian regions or kingdoms always are at a state of continuous war yeah. and at one point the British would sell their weapons to one kingdom and then they'll sell their weapons to the other kingdom and then they'll say okay join the British Empire we're gonna give you a lot of cannons and stuff you don't have to worry about your rivaling mm-hmm. uh, kingdom and some princes were like Okay, let's join the British. They got like big cannons and stuff. Yeah. And that slowly got consolidated into them having a really powerful part of India. But if you look at like modern India, mm-hmm. not all of it was colonized by the mm-hmm. British. Some were vassal states, some yeah. were independent states, mm-hmm. some were French colonies, even yeah. some were Portuguese colonies. And but the majority part was British. That was one thing. And the civilization mission for them was purely, in a way, get Indians educated enough to do taxes for the British companies in <laughs> India. Really? Yeah, so that was their major objective of teaching mm-hmm. us English or bringing any sort of education. Mm-hmm. And their investment in the civilization mission mm-hmm. was how to get, build a railway, civilization, bring it to India. Mm-hmm. But the railway is like, take the resources from a mine mm-hmm. to the port, build a port and take that into a ship to England. Mm-hmm. That was a civilization mission. Not like actually teaching people anything or building infrastructure for the people, but build infrastructure to extract resources. Mm-hmm. That was their their civilization yeah. happening in India. So, but the French were like... Both so, things, for resources and, yeah. And imposing the culture too. Like the English didn't really care. Yeah. Honestly, they didn't really care if we became English. Yeah, but yeah, the French, they would say Algeria is French. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, Algeria is French. That's what that's why they used to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really interesting. Yeah, their main. I mean, they, they colonialized all North Africa, but their main focus was in Algeria. Why? Because of the resources, definitely. Mm. Yeah, their main. I mean, they were they used to take lands from from Morocco and from Tunisia yeah. and Aden to uh, Algeria. to Algeria, and then after the independence. Moroccans or Tunisians, Tunisians be like, this is our land. Yeah, we want the land back. <laughs> French are like, gone. Yeah. I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the French did yeah. us a few favors. So. Yeah, I mean, 
what are like the major problems between nowadays between Algeria and ah. like, between markets between us and Morocco? It goes Is, back to this. Yeah, yeah. See, like I told, I showed you like Tindouf, if you remember, it's like on the. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. The that's border. actually one one of the problems. Mm. Yeah, the Moroccans were like, yeah, that's our land. Give it, give us that back. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. But if you were to compare your form of colonialism mm-hmm. with. Like like another one I did, Senegal, mm-hmm. also friends. They actually enslaved and shipped people to go work in plantations in the Caribbean. Yeah. Did you guys have anything of that level of horror and dehumanization happening? in? Definitely. We had all types of horror. I mean, people were taken to, you know, the, they were taken to France to fight with French people. Fight with? To fight with them, yeah. Against guess, whom? Okay, that's later against Germany, but oh, okay. yeah, Let's that's get, later. We'll get to yeah. that a little bit later. But it was, it was like it was apartheid, like mm. yeah, it was. What slavery I mean, like, didn't slavery, happen? The type I mean, like, that slavery. Like I'm not sure, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Mm. I don't think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But slavery, slavery, like you mean? I don't think so. Mm. Interesting. You, you see this episode called Guyana. Mm-hmm. So Guyana is like. Did you listen to it? No, not really. So Guyana is like a no. It's like a, the only English-speaking South American country, mm-hmm. and almost I think forty or fifty percent of the population is of Indian origin. Imagine that yeah. Indians in the north of South America. Thing is, when slavery got abolished by the mm-hmm. English, they wanted cheap labor, and there's something called endangered labor where you. Long story short, if you're not able to pay back the loan, you become mm-hmm. kind of a pseudo slave. And then they shipped a lot of Indians to work in the plantations. In oh, they oh, we also had this. You know, they shipped them to this place. It's near Australia. What? There's a lot of Algerians there. Now. What? What? What's yeah. that place called? I'll t- wait, I will tell you. Dude. Yeah, Algeria. you reminded me. You reminded me of this. Near Australia. Australia, New Zealand, whatever. Okay. Algeria. What's okay. the place called? Yeah, Australian people. Is that Australian people Algerian descent? Yeah, I, but they have a name. But. Wait, w- yeah. what's France doing in Australia, David? Sorry for the silence. We are Maybe. searching yeah, we for are really searching. interesting stuff. <laughs> that needs a bit of time. I told you this this might be a long podcast. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be a long one. Dude. Okay, what is it called? Oh my God, I have such a... Algerians near Australia. Lynn. How do I find that? It's just showing you embassy in Australia. <laughs> and a match. Okay. Wait. No. no. Caledonia it's called. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Caledonia. It's in Cyprus? Cyprus, no. Am I, am I spelling it right? Caledonia. Is it T-L-I? New, New Caledonia? Yeah. Oh, that's that's French. Oh, dude, there are these French islands. Yeah. As, dude. Algerians are there and they speak Arabic and they speak Algerian. Jesus. Ah, yeah. Wait, wait, let's, let's find that. New Caledonia. How do you say it in French? Nova Caledonia. Caledonia. It's a special collective of France in the southwest Pacific Ocean, south of Venetau, about 1,210 kilometers east of Australia. Yeah. And it is 11,000 miles from metropolitan France. 
archipelago, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. New Castellan's population of 2,700 something consists of a mix of original inhabitants, Kanaks, who are indigenous Melanesians, uh, who are the majority of the North Province and Lower Tier Islands Province, and people of European descent, Caldoches, European inhabitants, French Caldoche, Oasis, yeah. Polynesians, Southeast Asians, as well as the people of Pied Noir. Uh, yeah. Oh, so those Pied- are. These are French people, Pied Noir. They're called Pied Noir. These are like the criminals. Yeah, yes, they just remembered. So Caledonia is like uh, where, where the French people would send. All the criminals. All the criminals. So and like... they sent uh, Algerians. Yeah, this is what they sent. Ah, dude, so. People who it... would resist, they would send, be sent wow. there. Yeah. Imagine to this day and the, yeah. and, they, and still and they speak do, Arabic. They speak Arabic. They speak Algerian. I also was surprised when I. But this is like still a part of France, so they're yeah. French citizens. Yeah. Mm. Dude, so people who don't know, France still has a colonial empire right now in the world. Yeah. You can find French islands in whole sort of crazy places. There's a. Do you know? Do you know? I'll ask you a question. Which is the longest French border in the world? I don't know. Make a guess. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> the longest French border in the world mm-hmm. is actually located in South America. It's the border between French Guiana and Brazil. Because French Guiana is still a part of France. Really? Even though it's not metropolitan France. Metropolitan France is the European France that you see on the border. Yeah. But France still has so many territories across the world from South America to... Islands in Africa, major of these are islands, islands in the Atlantic, islands in the Indian Ocean, wow. and this place next to Australia. Dude, so if I thought Algeria was the longest one, to be honest. But Algeria is not a part of France anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, currently, I mean, yeah. currently. If Algeria was a part of France, then it yeah. would obviously be the longest border. But as of now, wow. it's the border in French Guiana, which wow. is absolutely insane that longest French border is not even in Europe. Yeah, true. It's insane. It's insane. So, wow. like, even the colonialism kind of ended. You can find these colony island sort of things across the across the globe, and mm-hmm. I never I never realized French had New Caledonia. And yeah. I, uh, I told you I remember I forgot the name. It's like New Australia. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, dude, this is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. So where were we? Where were we? Yeah, yeah. we we're talking about endangered lab- labors and how people were shipped off to mm-hmm. different places. And Algerians too were kind of... This was French Australia. First French Australia, yeah. Where the criminals were sent off. So this... Okay, I'm using that word again. Franchisation happened. Yeah, French- <laughs> <laughs> I, I made up so many words in this podcast today. Happened and... There was obviously resistance. Yeah. And an important, two important events happened. Mm-hmm. First World War and Second World War. Like you told, people who came to civilize were <laughs> trying to blow themselves up twice. Twice. What happened to Algeria during this time? During the First World War and Second World War? Because from, I, I, I'll just introduce it. Yeah, we weren't really, like, it was France that was, uh, yeah. that participated in the participated in First and Second World we, we weren't directly affected. So it, we would, like, we would take advantage if France forces are becoming weaker and weaker. We would try to to resist more. So, yeah. right. but the Second World War, we took part because we fought. We fought. We were promised 
that if we go and fight next to the French army against Germany, so France would gain would gain its independence, that we would be given our independence. That right. was in 1945. Right. But uh, it was like the 8th, the May May eighth, nineteen forty-five. It was the end of the World War. So right. The whole world w- uh, took the streets to celebrate the end of the World War. Mm-hmm. We took the streets to demand independence. Our, uh, independence, because you promised us, come right. fight, come fight with us, and we'll give you your independence. Right. What happens is it that it was like the huge massacre ever happened. Forty-five thousand people have died. In one but, day. In like, you know, it's not one day, it's like three to four days, three, four days. What's it called? The massacre? It's like, yeah, it's like, right, 8 May, okay, right, 8 May, 1945, Algeria, what it, it was Okay. It was in Kharata, Staif, these cities. In, okay, banned demonstration all the nationalists took place in the town of Constantine Department in this part of the country. Yeah, Staif, Germa. City Fanguema massacre. Yeah. Wow. So, and they were, people were peacefully uh, peacefully protesting. It mm-hmm. wasn't like people were... It was a peaceful protest mm-hmm. in these cities. And it was actually during during this day where the first... Where we first had, saw the Algerian flag. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mascot, he, what, so the he, first one who was killed during these the protests because he held the Algerian flag. So it was like a mark of defiance. Yeah. So before that, you were using like the French tricolor as to represent Algeria in a way. I mean, we bef- didn't. I would say France. France would use that, but mm. we we didn't have uh, a flag. Like a flag, oh. yeah. Okay. But it was during that day. So when he was, yeah. Um, let me just rewind back mm-hmm. to World War Two because there was Germans, German invasion of North Africa, which is. If you are into these, I used to be into these history channel documentaries and yeah. when I was a kid. And there's Germans this in North Africa. Yeah, the, uh, Germans invaded like Egypt and there was this... Um, oh yeah, yeah, in Egypt, yeah. Erwin Rommel was a really interesting yeah. general of the Germany and he fought against Thomas, Met- some Montgomery, he was an English general and it was mm-hmm. like two, two of them were like brilliant... Journals and the tactics used in the desert were really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. If why didn't Algeria take the side of the Nazis because they were fighting the colonialists? Because the Nazis were against France. Mm-hmm. And in a way, mm-hmm. if France was defeated, it would be would have been advantageous for Algeria. If I can like draw parallels with that, mm-hmm. Indian did support, majority of India did support the British yeah. war effort in Europe and other places. But there was a subgroup of Indians who mm-hmm. actually supported the Nazis. Yeah. Because they were fighting for independence, the Nazis and the Japanese, because we were fighting for independence against the British. In retrospect, Mm -hmm. yeah, these people did support Nazis, which is not a good thing (laughs) to look back upon. But at one point of time, you never knew who was going to win the war. Yeah. So why didn't Algeria, who was clearly Mm -hmm. under duress, being a French colony, not support the German-Italian war effort in North Africa and stay with the French? 
because it's the same case. It's gonna be the same case scenario. Germans or Nazis are anti-Semitic, which is anti-Jews, Arabs. <laughs> they would just <laughs> kill the shit out of us. Oh yeah, shit! It's, yeah. And a part of it, I would say, this is like in my personal opinion, because uh, I don't know. A part of it would be because we kind of knew that France was weak at the time. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't need, like me, myself, when I, when I think about it, I'm like, how on earth did I believe that the French people would give them their independence if they fought? But people were so helpless and hope, hopeless. Hopeless. Hopeless, yeah. Damn. But yeah, but the Nazis are anti-Semitic, so yeah, they would. Uh, <laughs> people like they forget that in what you say, anti-Semitic Arabs also yeah, are included. Yeah, Arabs are Semitic too. Yeah, <laughs> I usually forget that to yeah. be honest. So yeah. Interesting, interesting. This is that's that's an important point there. So World War Two yeah, ends and, and you, this ma- massacre happens. But the end of World War Two is the start of the post-colonial period where nations became independent yeah, as yeah. such. From the Indonesian podcast, they mm-hmm. beca- they almost became independent the moment the Japanese kind yeah. of took them over and yeah. left. They're like, okay, it's Japanese left just to ourselves. Yeah. Vietnam episode, the Japanese left. French wanted to come back, mm-hmm. hence started the Indochina War One, nineteen fifty four. It became the Vietnam War. We were really, really influenced by that, actually. Really? Yeah, it gave us hope mm. that, like, yeah, the French, 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 yeah, is def- we can defeat the French forces. So, um, yeah. So let's in in terms of the timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm, Vietnam War ended like, in 74 was, Vietnam yeah. War but the French I think the Sudan I mean how do you say it Ar- Arewa at 54 <laughs> I need to fact check myself Indochina first Indochina War mm. I think it was in the 50s no yeah it lasted until July 2954 I got yeah. my date is right 1954 yeah. yeah you got independence in 1962 yeah so tell me what happened between 45 and 62 what happened between 45? First of all, the massacre of um, May 8th. Mm-hmm. That was like, that was it. Mm. We, 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 we knew that we, we needed a formal revolution. We needed to be united in order to, uh, in order to gain our, our independence. So uh, it was the, we had, was it the National Liberation Front. Mm-hmm. And the National Liberation Army. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the whole, the whole group. Wow, two hours, man. Yeah. yeah, it just flew past, didn't it? Don't worry, don't worry, we can keep on going. <laughs> so, everyone who was fighting against France, mm-hmm. they are now under one, under two, like, two groups. The, polit- the political name of, the, the, of it was the National Liberation Front. Okay. So everyone who fights against France has to be like it has to be with the national liberation front okay. front and the national liberation army is the obviously the army part the militant the part. military part yeah okay. that was it and then they were preparing for the revolution that would ha- that that happened in 1954 mm-hmm. and we were influenced by vietnam obviously mm-hmm. we had help from egypt lots of help from egypt 
Just fill me up on Egyptian history. When did they become independent? Before you guys? Yeah. Before, and they became yeah. independent from the English. From the English, okay. uh, but their but their president Jamal Abdel Nasser, he was Abdel really Nasser. he was really like uh, Arab. Uh, yeah, pan yeah. Arabic. He yeah. Wa- he wanted to create one Arab, one Arab word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's, and he, we like it's the number one country that helps a lot. We had help from uh, from Russia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Russia was yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm picking out post-colonial yeah. countries to be communist, yeah. and you guys, Vietnam, obviously, yeah. us, yeah. but not to that extent. Mm, interesting. Yeah, can you until just until 1954? I think uh, lots of events happened be- before 1954. Mm-hmm. Lots of. Uh, uh, political meetings also you know they really worked on that right yeah can i just show you a video of uh, it's a trailer of a movie called the battle for algiers yeah the battle of algiers yeah i just found this like interesting we'll just, it's like a 4 minute video we'll just give yeah. it to you released in 1966 Gillo Pontecorvo's Battle of Algiers remains a cinematic classic. The film's stark depiction of guerrilla warfare waged against French forces occupying Algiers was celebrated worldwide for both its creativity and its uncompromising political message. Shot in black and white with handheld cameras to blur the line between documentary and feature, the film is a tense, immersive experience that takes the viewer deep into the worlds of both the Algerian resistance and the French colonial forces. Released only a few years after Algeria gained independence, the film featured a cast without professional actors, including many who had been part of the actual resistance. After its release, the film could not be screened for another five years in France, where it was finally released in 1971, and protests continued at theatres which actually showed the film. In his book, 50 Years of the Battle of Algiers, Pasta's Prologue, Professor Sohel Dolotai describes the film as a template for anti-colonial resistance movements worldwide. For the first 30 years of its release, the film really became a touchstone for leftists all over the world, where it was embraced by the IRA, the PLO, the Tamil Tigers, and leftist groups throughout Latin America, as well as being required viewing for the Black Panther Party and other leftists in the US in the late 1960s and early 70s, including white radicals and Arab students. But how is the film received now, and how did 50 years of history change the way we view the film and its impact? Dolta argues that the themes of the film are as urgent and pressing as ever, saying, The Battle of Algiers raised some fundamental issues about self-determination for black and brown people worldwide that have yet to be fully realized. So that as long as the conditions of racism, occupation, and empire continue to exist, the Battle of Algiers will always be relevant, and people will always find inspiration in it, because those are the same issues that made the film's creation such an urgent necessity. We are des soldats, and we have Alors, pour être précis, à mon tour maintenant de poser la question. La France doit-elle rester en Algérie Si vous répondez encore oui, vous devez en accepter toutes les conséquences nécessaires. Dolotai also argues that the reframing of armed resistance as terrorism post 9-11 has fundamentally altered the way the film can be viewed. Whereas the film once had a universal appeal that captured the mood and urgency of various movements for self-determination, Dolotai says that now the danger is that the film is seen as a celebration of specifically Muslim violence and triumph over Western forces. A scenario that he says is not only not palatable, but seen as threatening and worthy of death. 
While the Battle of Algiers served as a template for liberationists, the film's realistic depictions of French counterinsurgency tactics also meant it was keenly studied by security agencies and law enforcement worldwide. The guerrilla warfare waged by the people of Algiers was the first time such tactics had been used in an urban environment. Not surprisingly, after the invasion of Iraq in 2003, the Pentagon held a special screening of the film, and it has since become an almost mandatory training tool in U.S. Army War Colleges. Okay, that's like the main bit of it. <laughs> I did not know that the film has such influence. I didn't know especially, that. Especially, I swear, especially the Iraq story. Yeah. That was really surprising. Really. What, what do you think about the part, like, post 9-11, it became... I think that is, like, the Western world trying to manipulate the truth and trying to just, like... Trying to be... To picture everything that it's that has to do with Islam and Muslims is being terrorists. Because I don't think that there's there is nothing in this film and nothing about this story and this historical fact that has to do with terrorism with or with what they call Muslim violence. Right. Yeah, because this is, it shows resistance. Against colonial. Yeah, against, yeah. This is what it shows. That's why it has such an, oh my God. I didn't know it has such an influence, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen the movie, but... You should. We actually watched a movie every like every first of no- November. The what? why first of November? Because the first of November the Independence Day. Uh, yeah, no, it's not Independence. Revolution. Ah, okay. Yeah, first so, November and also fifth of July, which is Independence. We are always, oh. we always every year. Wow, this is like how do you say, how Home Alone is a Christmas movie. True. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Battle of Algiers is like an Independence. And. Was the independence struggle mainly a violent one against the French? I don't think any any person other than like an Indian dude would ask mm-hmm. that question because we are kind of made to believe that India's struggle for independence was mainly based on non-violence and yeah, Gandhi's, yeah. And, which like, is a factor, but I wouldn't say it was entirely peaceful and mm-hmm, shanti. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Vibes, but what do you call it? Shanti in Indian, it's pronounced Shanti. Sh- no, no, Shanti. Oh. I'm, ah, so, Shanti. I'm sorry, Shanti. Shanti means peaceful oh. in a oh. few Indian languages. Okay. What, what did you understand? I it? saw like Gandhi. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Gandhi is like Gandhi. Shanti, yeah. oh, yeah. I, I, I saw, dude, it's like how do you say it? colloquial English of my yeah, city. Yeah. We bring in some words from our language yeah, into it. it. Yeah. So, what I, I, and I know that is not the case, and that how do you say it? the Peaceful colonial resistance is mm-hmm. not the template of mm-hmm. all countries or most countries. Mm-hmm. So, how would you look back at on back upon this history where, Fre- like you told, the French didn't fulfill their promise? Mm-hmm. They were like clamping down mm-hmm. on Algiers. Vietnam War was mm-hmm. going on, and then this armed resistance of mm-hmm. the Algerians against the French mm-hmm. was going on. I have two questions. How do you reflect on it, and who helped you in this okay. time? First of all, I would answer by answering you by, by your question. Do you really think that the French colonialism was like was something that you can get rid of with peace? With being like withheld in protests and peaceful protests and peaceful means like it was in India. I mean, I think 19 what happened in 1944, 45 mm-hmm. was like it, it was a major evidence that the, the France is not gonna let go of Algeria. 
unless we fight back. True. It, yeah. True. If I may counter that, mm-hmm. we also had like a massacre called Jallianwala Bagh massacre mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. peaceful protesters mm-hmm. were indiscriminately shot by mm-hmm. General Dyer, I believe. And it's an important part of the Indian mm-hmm. independence movement. And in response to that, there was the... Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm so... I'm, I'm, I, correct me if I'm mistaken, but the Chauli Chaura Institute is when the Indian protesters set fire to a British police station mm-hmm. with people inside. And that start started like gandhi to really clump down mm-hmm. on himself and he went on like a fast and stuff so long story short gandhi didn't let go of the non-violence thing even when people mm-hmm. were being massacred i think india just became unprofitable for the british to stay and they just left yeah at the end maybe. of it violent yeah, non-violent maybe. struggle that's yeah. what happened was maybe, it the case yeah. with algeria algeria is they discovered oil do you think? Oh Jesus! Do you think they would let go? I mean, if you would fight with all the the weapons in the world, they they just discovered oil. They would never let go of Algeria. True. We knew this. True. Yeah. True. That's true. I mean, once you find oil, then you, it, it, you have more economic incentive to yeah. colonize or keep that yeah. part of the world. Then I mean, our desert is just like Asada is. Mm. And what happened with the? Uh, what made the French ultimately leave? What made them leave is basically that we defeated them. <laughs> yes, okay. No, it, it was... Okay, how, define okay. the defeat. Um, I would say that it was drained. The French forces were drained at the time because it was not just one part that you're fighting against. Mm-hmm. It was all the all of the Algeria. Like, mm. yeah. And, you know, I think it's... They are they, and also the fact that they had different, other colonialism and different and other, and they had with, not it wasn't just Algerians who were being who, who were resisting. Mm-hmm. It was other countries. It was Tunisia. It was Morocco, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to keep up with all of these. Yeah, it, it would drain your power, and the yeah, and the fact that we know the land. This is like military stuff. Uh-huh. We're like gang fighters. So yeah, like we know, it, yeah. The movie just talked about like yeah. urban warfare yeah. was kind of revolutionized or formalized by the Algerian resistance yeah. against yeah. the French. Yeah. Which is used yeah. as template by the United States. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Wait, so can I bring something, an entity called the French Foreign Legion? Mm-hmm. I think you'll be more familiar with that than me. Right. Which is like a part of it's not part it's like a french military unit which has more foreigners than french people but they fight for the french colonial empire used to fight for the french colonial mm-hmm. empire now they fight for france so it is really interesting for me because it has more people foreigners than, than french, french people, people but they yeah. fight for france and i believe most of them were algerian i believe so and what did they do did they support france or did they support the algerian assistance movement i mean like you've been like the ones who were they were fighting against Algeria definitely so they did they supported France. So basically, yeah, yeah, we had lots of them. So we had a point where yeah, we had a point where obviously Algerians were fighting Algerians. You know, we have we have a name for them. We call them Harka, which is like it's a really offensive. Yeah, it's really offensive. Yeah, because like they traitor. support yeah traitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we believe that. I think I don't think that it's uh, this is official, but mostly what my grandma tells me. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's because of them that France lasted this long in Algeria because mm. we had yeah in a way yeah, right like a, how yeah. many French people many can people? you bring to take control yeah. of the, yeah. such a big population such a big area yeah. and they were paid by the by, obviously paid by by the French people so they were mm. yeah interesting so how are the there would obviously be these half French, half Algerian. Definitely. How were yeah. they looked upon post-independence and Post-independence, pre- there's actually really, uh, there's examples of people who are French, not like half French, half Algerian. They are French, but they were born in Algeria. For example, Abba Camus. Yeah. I think and, he's the most famous of yeah. those. Yeah. And they, they really supported the Algerian cause and they felt that they are more of Algerians than French mm. and they believe that uh, France was the oppressor. I think Albert Camus yeah. was on that line. Yeah, definitely. But lots of them they didn't. They considered, I mean, they were born in Algeria and they considered, as I told you before, Algeria is French. So it's like French land for them. I'm going to say something really contra- controversial. Can we add Sidadin Sidin to that list? <laughs> <laughs> He is Algerian, but he yeah. plays for France. Yeah, he's Al- he's Algerian, yeah, but he he was born in France. Oh, okay, hence yeah, he, he can was, play for he was, it. He was born in France, so... Yeah, but his parents are Algerians, Algerian. yeah. Okay, carry on, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's actually a Mazir. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Benzema too? I, I'm not sure, no. I don't think so. Benzema is a Mazir, I'm not uh-huh. sure. But I'm I'm sure that... Uh, is Zizou. Zidane is, 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 is a Mazir, yeah. <laughs> And with the French people who... Yeah, they were... Yeah, like, ima- imagine you were born in... Uh, them, they were born in Algeria, mm-hmm. but they are French. Mm-hmm. And they were told that this is your land, this is France, so... but So, yeah, they were like... Oh, I mean, Algerian-born people, but really French people. And they all of them, they went back to France after the independence. All of them? Yeah, most of them, definitely. What I would it- say, like, 90%. What if you sympathized with the Algerian? Yeah, army? I told you, like a lot. Then they yeah. stayed. Some of them fought with us. Ah, okay. Against France. Yeah. Understood. So one question: When Algeria was considered a part of France, mm-hmm. were you native Arabs, native Amazirs? Mm-hmm. Were you French citizens? No. You were not French citizens. We were not. So you were like subject people. You were like exactly. second yeah. grade citizens definitely of second the French grade. Empire. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Liberty, equality, and fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Interesting. So they reached post independence, didn't they? Yeah, we did. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> History flew, flew, flew by so fast. Yeah. So how's it been post independence? How has. It. Difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, countries destroyed. One mil, one point half million people died in a period of seven years between nineteen fifty four and nineteen sixty two. Those are genocidal numbers. Yeah, these are like, this is I'm, generally speaking, people think that in the whole period of one hundred and thirty two years of colonialism, only one mil, one point five million were killed. But when we say one point. Because Algeria in the Arab world is is known as the country of the 1.5 million martyrs. Mm. This is just in the period between 1954 and 1962, which is the f- official the revolution, the revolution that the and indip- your freedom the, the, the get us and freedom and our independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are bigger numbers since 19. 
no, eighteen thirty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, in the nineteenth century, it was like I told you, thir- one third of the population were killed. But yeah, but talking about, I mean, a war of seven years—that's one point five people who were killed, and just. Imagine the French people leaving the country. It was completely destroyed. I mean, people would. Mm. I would say that, and people, people don't. People, most of the people are, are, uh, are poor. There was famine. One question I like to ask is: When, so usually. There were two examples. I can compare two things. Mm. Haiti, I got this from the Philippines episode. When they got independence, mm-hmm. they were like, we have nothing to do with France. Mm-hmm. That meant that their biggest market for all their products just vanished. They yeah. didn't have anywhere to sell their products yeah. and their economy collapsed. Other countries like Philippines, they didn't do that. They were like, we got freedom from America, yeah. but we still going to be their biggest market we are going to be under the influence yeah, so that our economy would it is the same case yeah. for Algeria yeah. where even though you got independence from France the True. influence still persists the economical did unfortunately yes it was part of the agreement the Evian agreement of the independence what, what, what's that this is like the the <laughs> I don't know but it's still like it's uh, it's emotional for me to talk about it because it's, we are still connected to that paper till oh. this day oh. like, because we are economically dependent de- not or... depend- like, it's our market our first market is France exactly yeah so they still benefit from our oil uh-huh. and from our resources and all of this goes back to that to that piece of paper Evian I think I don't really um, I don't really blame them because at the time it was the only it was like the only solution to get them out of the country, to end the massacres. But yeah, but it really, they they really succeeded in still having an influence till this day, even if they're not in Algeria. And yeah, it's exactly like when the British, they went, they, they're not anymore. The British are not anymore in the Middle East, but they still have, have their influence, even though they're, they're not there. Exactly. It's the same case for us. What's an alternative? An alternative today. No, I mean at that time. Yeah, there's yeah. What was the alternative to that? Staying under the uh, French colonialism. Okay. We didn't have yeah. That was that that's was, not. Yeah, that this was, was the like, l- yeah, better of the lesser evils. I yeah. mean, lesser of the evils. Definitely, yeah. Interesting. That was like the only solution. Hmm. So let's let's kind of speed up our history to okay. the modern time. <laughs> So you got independence. And what happened? Like, 1962, which I think... Yeah, the first... Yeah. From an Indian perspective, that's kind of late to gain independence because mm. we got in 47 and 62. But I know, like, South... Like, African countries got independence in 82, 91. Yeah. So colonialism is very recent phenomenon, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's very recent. It is. Like, from an Indian perspective, it's like... Like, I don't know. My grandparents didn't live under colonialism. So I, we don't know exactly how horrible it was really yeah yeah they might have but they were kids so they Mm. wouldn't know but you guys did yeah definitely and you guys yeah my personally my grandparents lived through there and yeah 
We were raised being told stories about the revolution. I mean, my grandmother went to jail. Really? Yeah, really. She was 15. What? Yeah, I swear. You can put a 15-year-old... Yeah, yeah it's, it's 15. French. Yeah, it's <laughs> Colonial French. Colonial yeah. and You can put anyone in jail. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So tell me, what, how, how has an independent Algeria been? An independent... Under the... Like, ha, even with the economic influence mm-hmm. of France, how has the new... So okay, let, let's define all today. It's a democratic. Is mm, it secular? Popular? No, it's not secular. It's an Islamic democratic yeah. republic. Yeah. Federal. No, not federal. It's centralist. Popular mm-hmm. uh, democratic Algeria. That's it. That's not like uh, popular democratic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how has Algeria, like popular democratic Algeria, come into the twenty first century, post colonial? Okay, let's start in like from 19... Okay, after the 1962, uh, we had our first Algerian government in 1962. And then... Okay. It was actually going from... We had like so many stuff going on. 1962, as I said, the country was completely destroyed. Uh, the country... We were like... We were more of like Russia back in the day. Which day? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, it was like, just give it... Okay, so the policy where... Well, okay, I'll say the policy... How, how, how did they do get, try to survive uh, post-independ- post-colonialism era? They just give people lands and ask people just to... Oh, yeah. you, you went all socialist. Yeah, we went, okay. we went all, like, all socialist. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, it didn't really... It didn't work. It didn't yeah. really, because... We still had uh, a period of terrorism, a period of... Period of what? Terrorism. Between whom? They call... Okay, people... Generally speaking, people would say that it's a civil war, but it wasn't... It was It was terrorism. We had... So there was this Islamic party that... Uh, it, it was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're, we're speeding now. Yeah, it, that's yeah. completely chill. Just take me the, to the interesting parts. Yeah, it was in the 80s. There's this Islamic party that won the elections. Okay. And but the military forces, they just didn't uh, accept the fact that this Islamic uh, party won the elections. So okay. they stopped the elections. It's not that they won, but we knew that they they, they knew that at the they time that they would win. Okay. But obviously the the military forces didn't want Islamic party to rule. Mm-hmm. So they stopped the elections, and then people started like killing each other, mostly oh. like yeah. It was, the, it's called, it lasted from 1988 or so until like 2000. We call wow. it, yeah, we call it the black decade. That is a black decade. Yeah, we call it the black decade. Yeah. We, we, it's actually, we, we weren't taught about this in school. Hmm. Yeah. You guys kind we, of want to ignore that part? No, not like we want to ignore. I'm not really sure. I remember I asked my teacher why we're not taught like this. She said because it's recent. Because history, like, it has to be, like, something that 40 years ago, 50 years ago, in order to... But it didn't make sense, really. Recent, but yeah. very relevant. Very relevant, but I think because they are scared of the... Implications yeah, that the people in power yeah, might have, yeah, if you yeah. talk about it. Definitely, because... Can I draw, draw a tangent? What would have happened if the Islamists had come to power? What do you think might have happened? Because they were 
obviously elected by the people yeah, or would they have been elected. elected by the people what would happen if the islamists would have come to power I... they were actually scared of violence and of terrorism and then they ended up getting into it this is why they were but this is like the, what they give us they say we did not want the islamic party to win because they are extremists mm-hmm. and they would take us to a very dark place and we are recently uh, we recently got our independence mm-hmm. and Algeria will get into a very dark place but it was mostly political right yeah it was mostly political yeah right it was right. like 10 years yeah 10 years and we know what they still like till today people are stuck in that trauma of it. yeah definitely because it's so recent true there is like the I don't know I, I'm just like skipping so let me tell you what happened it was 1999 mm-hmm. our re- president Bouteflika. oh he Jesus was, yeah <laughs> he came to the scene he basically the one who saved us from that Decade. The black. He okay. ended the black decade. Okay. To be honest, because he uh, he granted amnesty to armed forces. He was like, just give up your weapons, go back to your homes, and you are forgiven. This is this is how he ended mm. the black decade. Yeah. So who was in power during the black decade? The military. The military was in power. Yeah. So it was kind of like a dictatorship state. It was okay. So the, what they were saying is that the Islamic the islamics who were killing the people but it was like it was it was a chaos mm. the islamic were killing the people and then nowadays we learn that uh, i mean that yeah even the military would kill would kill people and then we say oh the the the, the islamic there was they a do it. power vacuum yeah proper definitely power vacuum, yeah. yeah okay so Bouteflika. i'm sorry Bouteflika, if i'm butchering yeah. the name he comes in he comes in he granted amnesty to the to them and he ends the Black he decade. The black decade, and then he was—he was the hero at the time. He was needed, actually. Mm. He was the hero at the time. He. And then he becomes. Do you have prime minister or president? We have a president. Okay. We also have a prime minister, but the, the, the pre- more powerful pre- is the president. More, the more powerful is the president. Yeah. So he becomes president for four terms in a row. Yeah. And would it be fair to say that's the most stable period in Algeria's history, recent history? Yeah. And definitely stable not just be not because of him mm-hmm. it's because of the trauma that people have witnessed because after the black decades the black decade ended and then Bouteflika came to the came to the scene he became president and then i think in 2000 or so I'm not really sure about the year people started protesting Against because of what? corruption and everything okay okay when they started protesting, the head of the military forces, Gaitsar, he was recently passed away. He was, he also was the, the head of the military forces for more than 20 years. Mm. He literally threatened people that if you continue taking the streets, you will see a level of violence, the same level of violence that you witnessed during the Black Decade. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and people were drained. I mean, it was the French colonialism right after the French colonialism. It was famine, everything. And then it was the black decade. So mm. people wouldn't take it anymore. Okay, do whatever you want. We will put up with your corruption. Just leave us, let us live in peace. And imagine from like, uh, this was like in 2000. And I guess, yeah, there's a story. Uh, I'm not really, I don't know the whole thing about it, but... 
Remember the part of Amazir I told you about? The one are in like... Uh, next in, to Morocco? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, not next to Morocco. The one are in the north. Okay. Which Zidane are from. Okay. Yeah. They were protesting. These people were protesting. A lot of, and a lot of them were killed. Oh. Yeah. This is why we did not protest. We did not take the street for 20 years. From oh. 2000 until 2019. From, because of all Because the... of everything, yeah. And then... So, I hate to say this, but does being exposed to so much trauma for so long kind of drain people that they become docile in a way they are ready to accept any sort of bullshit as long as security is... Does security become more important than freedom? Uh, Yeah, definitely. You know, for the people who witnessed... It's mm. mostly for our parents mm. because we haven't witnessed that. True. Yeah. True. Because if you see the people who led the Hirak, which is the Hirak, yeah, yeah, yeah. against. Okay, the, let's talk about that. It's us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do I start? Okay, let's. Was 20, okay. Bouteflika. Uh, uh, yeah. So, for the people listening, just Google Bouteflika latest photos, and you might see. A really old, I'm trying to say it as nice as I can, a really old person in a wheelchair who suffered a stroke and can barely move or communicate. But he was put up to be the president for a fifth consecutive term. And the people of Algeria was like, we ain't taking this shit anymore. Because he is clearly incapacitated to rule. And he is used as a puppet or a figure which kind of, Brings everyone together. Just for the sake of that, he's being put up as a candidate for the election. Yeah. And he's controlled by Lepore, the powers. The power, yeah. Yeah, which is like the, can I say, the group, political and business groups who have an interest him in him being the president. Yeah. And you carry on the next part. Uh, how, how do you say that? Herak. Herak, yeah. Herak, yeah. So it was 2019 uh he was like he was put as a candidate a, a candidate so what happened is okay this is a really funny story we didn't see him in his first ter- fourth term we didn't see him for like three or four years so you, you we didn't... didn't we didn't like we don't we don't know who's making the decision they'll just come you see like the the news the president uh-huh. of Aziz Bouteflika said this i'm like oh really did he really say this it was like he became a wolf <laughs> No, wait, wait, wait. So, he, did he tweet or something? Nope. So, so he, he could have possibly been dead. We didn't know, yeah. And someone would be making decisions yeah, for him and you wouldn't know. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. He was definitely not the one making the decisions. I think it's not just when he was sick. It was through... Autis. His, like, 20 years of ruling the country. He was not the one... He has little say. He Why do you guys vote for say. him then? For, for, for one term, fine. Two yeah. terms... Okay, yeah. three terms, not a coincidence anymore. Definitely. Four terms, it's definitely not a coincidence. So why do you vote for him? You, do you really, really think that the, most of the popularity voted for him? He I wins like with 95%. Oh, okay. And that, only five... Oh my God. When you win like with such a high margin, that's Belarus happening. I know. I mean, and with, uh, most of the Algerians, after this, the second or, and the third term, they stopped voting. We have, and now we have like 40 million Algerians, only 5 million would vote. This is like, this, these wow. are like recent numbers. Yeah, so how, how on earth did he became president? We knew, we knew about the, the third, fourth, fourth, we were like, that's it. He's dead. He was making the decisions. They would just come to the news and read a letter and the president said this. 
Which movie is this? You know that's you know what's interesting that people after the end of the black decade, people really didn't talk about politics. No one would dare and talk about politics. What? We, we were we had questions because we I would say that we are the most self aware generation in Algeria. Why? To be honest, because we didn't put up with their shit. Mm. Maybe uh, okay. I I re, they are excused because of everything that happened. But really, four terms, four yeah. terms. You cannot accept that. And if you see the people who are in Herak, most of them are youngsters. Young, young, I, yeah. I was following we, that story. Yeah. yeah. So oh. what was I saying? Oh my god. Uh, I wanted to say something. I forgot. Blin Fifth term, did you guys really vote for him? That was my question. And then what? what, what? Yeah, it was on, like, when, on his fourth term when we really see it was before it was retired. Pe- only retired people, early people at cafes would talk about politics. Yeah. That's it. But rest of Algerians, they wouldn't. Because people Why? Was, it, for so many reasons. The history of what, what happened in Algeria, the Arab Spring, because we were... We, we are going to get on that. But the, yeah. to carry on. But can I can I ask a question? Wouldn't going through all these highly divisive social events mm-hmm. make people more political rather than less political? Because Not, yeah, for example, let's say people of my generation mm. in India, we didn't have to deal with a lot of shit. So yeah. for us, politics is like things that our uncles talk about yeah. people who read the news who don't have everything to talk, not too much interest in you have to be very unless you are how do you say reactionary politics yeah. and then there are people who are like really interested into it and kind of want to learn more about mm-hmm. it there's two types of political mm-hmm. discourse mm-hmm. at least from an indian perspective reaction is like something happens you don't agree with it you mm-hmm. become political mm-hmm. why wouldn't algerians be more political because so much of things have happened in your very recent history yeah wouldn't that make people more in one more defensive to mm-hmm. changes from mm-hmm. your authorities more suspicious of yeah. your authorities but you say they become more more scared people are more conservative yeah i mean you have the the head gay thought he's like when you say the name algeria he's a very powerful man we knew that he he literally threatened people We were young. I mean, most of my generation were young at the time. But his threat, like, you will witness as violent event as mm. you witnessed in the black de- decade. And I, as I, I said, I don't know. This is what made people... So okay, it's I don't fear. Ha- I, yeah, fear. It's not ignorance. It's not ignorance. It's Definitely fear. not ignorance. If we were ignorant, we wouldn't, like, be silent for four decades or for 20 years. And then all of a sudden we would just... Mm. It was fear. It was fear, and it wasn't. It wasn't just because of what happened in Nigeria, as I told you, because of the Arab Spring. Because be, I know we were talking. We'll talk about this, but yeah. I just want to point something. Before the uh, when the Hirak started, Hirak was in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Arab Spring was in twenty ten, twenty eleven. Yeah. Twenty mm-hmm. nineteen, we were everyone was. So, I personally was so scared. Everyone was so scared. We were. We don't. We don't want to happen. We don't want stuff that happened in Syria to happen in Algeria I mean we What? love Syria I mean Syria is like the yeah. yeah and it's not just Syria and Egypt and these are like really Arab, Libya yeah Libya Tunisia was the most the one who most peaceful most peaceful yeah and they started it yeah they started it we did not want that to happen we were scared it was fear 
Fear... And they made us believe. I mean, fear of what exactly? Could okay, you find so that? I have to. Okay, we I'm we really getting disorganized. So let's. Yeah, it's cool. It's did my podcast just goes on yeah. tangents? That's what I love about it the most. The fear of, fear of, get hap- over whatever happens in Syria would happen in Algeria. Fear of the response if we get the, if we take the streets, what will they do to us? Because mm. they literally said this. We had the, the prime minister of Bouteflika, Uyahya, who was also a big corrupt. Mm-hmm. He would say when the Hirak started, "Oh, you wanna you you want Algeria to become like Syria?" Mm. He he would literally say this. Right. But the Hirak was the most peaceful thing ever. People were like giving policemen flowers. Yeah, they were in like, Algerian football jerseys yeah. and stuff. <laughs> is like in the blood yeah that's what I love about that's what I love about North Africa so much yeah okay so yeah it was I, I remember that day when he was trying to get elected again it was 22nd of February I remember that day <laughs> it was like a mockery everyone was like in the room and they were holding his picture like like He's not there to talk. Oh, I want to be elected again. It was a whole. They, everyone, like the politicians and uh-huh. his party, they were holding his picture. It's like he was there. Do you it, get it? Like, did you see? Did no, no, I didn't see. You that. definitely should see. That. Oh, what should I search for? Okay. Bo- oh, Bouteflika is a really yeah. Bouteflika. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I found him. Abdulaziz no. Bouteflika. What picture holding? Yeah. No, that's like in the... Wait, let me see. By whom? Who hold the picture? Wait, wait let me search in... In Arabic. Arabic. Yeah, because I find this in English. Bouteflik. <laughs> I like the name for some reason. <laughs> What's... In this... Is... Oh God! Found it. I hate seeing this. <laughs> Let me see if this if this is the one. We had this. One. Forgive the Russian advertisements. Yeah. None of us can afford YouTube Red. Okay. Let me see. Let me see the. See, he's not there. Uh huh. His picture. What is he? No, it's so someone so is speaking not there. Someone on is his. Someone is speaking on his side, but we don't have him. But we have his picture, and they were holding his picture like, oh well, it's a... Oh my god! And that was it for for us. There, I swear, you guys, got... he could be dead, and you guys yeah, wouldn't know. Yeah, we, we were. We thought we legit thought that he was dead, <laughs> because even when he gave up, we didn't like. We didn't know until we saw him. He was in the wheelchair ah. and signed his. That ah, okay. we we believed, oh yeah, he's alive. So, but this was like Ed. We will put up with your corruption, but we will not put up with you mocking us. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like mocking the people. Are you kidding me? Who Dude. do you think? Yeah. When you were like, when you're in power. This is why I told you we are the most self-aware generation. Mm. Yeah, because uh, it's youth who started the Hirak. It's not right. Like, yeah. Exactly. I think it's like when you, at least from the perspective of the people in power, when you're in power for so long, yeah. you get this feeling that you can get away with any shit that you... True. And they did kind of... <laughs> they didn't know. There's a like... picture and this is what you have to say, but I'm going to hold the picture and say it for him. Yeah. 
Damn, that is interesting. So the thing is, after Herak, Butefik actually did not compete for the next term. Yeah, he did not. And who won the election after that? Who won the election is... What, did, his... did like a real election happen or was it like 95%? Okay, let me tell you what it's happened. Like... So he obviously he, he resigned or whatever. And then what happens is we just... Getting rid of him, in our opinion, not it, is like one step. Mm-hmm. One step uh, against corruption. Because we just... we. We we just we did not just want him to be out of the to be out. Right. We wanted a democratic country. This is what he, what we wanted. So we wanted everyone who has to do with him, everyone who used to be in his government, to be yeah. out. We wanted them to be. Uh, we wanted all of them to be out. But this right. is not what happened. What which happened? Is, what happened is, people who, which is his brother, mm-hmm. and people who were who was with with him got away. In what sense? Justice. For what? They were innocent. They were considered to be innocent after being prosecuted. Prosecuted for what? For corruption. Ah. For stealing the public money. Okay. Uh, the, and his brother, which we believe was like the head of everything, mm-hmm. he was considered to be innocent. Okay. That was like a shock to us. It was like... We, why? Because... because... Because we wanted them to be... Now, why was it a shock? Because, because we had we had hope. We had hope that, yeah, we made it. We yeah. Why would you trust an institution which for 20 exactly. years have been under his direct exactly. control yeah. to suddenly turn against him? Exactly. But, I don't know. Yeah, even no. like the... And then the elections happened. It was a mockery also. Mm. Only he won by 45%, the recent mm-hmm. president, Tabun. And he was a Bhutafika I mean, man? You would see, yeah, he was in his government. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the prime minister in 2017 for like two months or three months, but we did not want him. I mean, he won't, I mean, I don't even know. Some people really love him, so it's a, mm. we, we don't know. Is it a net positive? I don't know. Too early to say. Yeah, mm. too early to say, we don't know. We Damn. just, Personally, I'll say by now we know that because the Herak is still going on. Every Friday, people are still taking really? the streets. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Till this day, every Friday, it's like they they take the streets. But I don't think it's beneficial anymore. Mm. Ah, it hasn't like... It is like yeah, we petered down yeah. a bit. You don't hear about it anymore. Yeah, we don't like, yeah. Interesting. Damn, so we reached the present. Present day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which you don't, yeah, that's, maybe. Yeah, that's four periods of Algerian history. We just we start in. I don't know. I'm really scared about this period, to be honest, because it's really things are trying. To, things are like getting escalated to journalists being arrested. Recently, we have. Okay, yesterday it was like 128 person. Uh, journalists who were arrested oh yeah for this so it's really um, it is really it is really concerning yeah wow can, can i make a personal statement mm-hmm. sure you are talking about this without a hint of fear or any sort of reservation about the truth or what's happening in your country even though it at the regime in power is would not appreciate that either two things can happen 
Either you think no one's gonna listen to this. <laughs> yeah. That's one option. Or B, you genuinely want people to know what's happening in your country in a way that the truth can bring about change. I would say both. So I don't lie. <laughs> I, I get, also, I, I'll, I'll show you my audience. Also, like 30, 20, 16, 23, 30. That's my audience numbers for these episodes. Yeah. So and most of them are from India, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's also... I really can't, uh, when you told me, like, we're going to talk about it, I can't filter it, filter what I say. So I really, mm-hmm. this is personal to me. I can't, I can't lie about it or just, because everyone knows, even in Algeria, everyone knows. I'm not, and it's not like, I know people, people, as I told you, people from my generation are, are not afraid anymore. Everyone is talking. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I know people who are like, who have podcasts and they talk about this every day. Right. They're still in Algeria, that is true. Some mm. of them are in France. Right. But they talk about this. So right. that like, gave me... Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I quite appreciate that you can talk unfiltered about it, which yeah. makes it more mm-hmm. valuable for me to listen to. Mm-hmm. Which is super... Which my father would not approve at all. Really? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure... Such a free spirit. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah, politics, what? Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think most parents would appreciate us talking politics. Mm. But I don't know, man. Off like my podcast, I've been coming to that. So let's move away from politics for a bit mm-hmm. and just talk about one observation I had. Mm-hmm. And I think which you, I want to know it from your perspective too. Because in Ruden, mm-hmm. you get to meet Muslims from all over the world. Yeah. And you get to see how diverse and multicultural and all the stereotypes I had about Muslims got broken in a way since I became, came to Ruden. Yeah. Because in, in India, the ideal, I, I call it ideal template yeah. of how a Muslim is or should it's behave or should look or should dress is very much indoctrinated in you as since from a childhood age mm-hmm. and there is this proper muslim and improper muslim yeah and everything we see not confirming to that particular template we are kind of forced to judge on that you being a muslim woman mm-hmm. from an islamic country mm-hmm. have seen other muslim women from other islamic countries what would you your uh, What's your impression on the so many multicultural facets Mm -hmm. of Muslim women in particular? Mm -hmm. Do you think some women are more free to express themselves? Some are more restricted. Mm -hmm. Some are more indoctrinated into the, how do you say, um, how you should behave or dress as mentioned by Islam. Because when I grew up, it's like the... Oh, the, um, the Saudi uh, Arabia idea, like yeah, exactly, this is what, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, just, a woman yeah. inside a hijab, burqa, yeah. which completely yeah. covers herself. That is like for me. That's like that's that's a Muslim woman outside it's India. It's not just you. I mean, for not most, a lot of people that I met, like who are non-Muslims, some of Russians, some I don't know. They were really surprised that I don't wear burqa. Like mm-hmm. some of them, they think that I wear it in Algeria. When I come here, mm. I I don't wear it. Mm-hmm people really think that this is it i remember okay between brackets this is the there's this this girl she sent me a video of um it's like it's called um the video was in russian 
what is it like to live in uh, an Islamic country? There's this boy who's trying to look for his mom, but because all the women were, were wedding, <laughs> I couldn't find it. No. I was very... That's a serious problem. <laughs> she said that to me. It's like, she was like, uh, yeah, but I was really, I don't know. Like, oh, this is how you live in your, in, in your country. Uh-huh. This is how that... Uh, no, 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 dear. This is not the case. <laughs> Yeah, but this is the idea. True, it's not. It's not just you. For me, maybe because I'm Muslim, I know. Before coming to Russia, I knew that there's a lot of uh, people, people who are more conservative than me, who are more religious than me, people who are less religious, people who are more constrict, restricted. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like for example, okay, let me give you an example. Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, they have to wear burqa. Najri, you know. Mm-hmm. You can wear whatever you want. In Turkey, yeah. you don't even have to wear the hijab. Yeah, it's yeah. not mandatory. Iran as well, but Iran is different from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, they have to wear burqa, but in uh, Iran, it's Iran, they just like have to wear a headscarf. A headscarf. Yeah. yeah. In the Caucasus, they. I look, don't know about the. I have no idea. Like, do I have? They, do they look have Russian. To? Even Muslim girls from Caucasus. They, they, they look Russian. Like, they, yeah. they don't have. You wouldn't think they're Muslim unless you hear their name or. I'm not sure, but like about the the way they were, I was like in a taxi yesterday, and the guy, the driver, told me that in they have to, they also have to wear. Depends. I, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, there are so many different caucuses. There's yeah. a law, but but first, if like I'm talk, when I say they have to, mm-hmm. I'm talking about a law. Like there's a law oh. that says that you have to wear yeah. this. Okay. So it's, what do you think of that? So many different interpretations of Islam in so many different countries. Yeah. I think it goes back to the conquerors. Yeah, it depends like how people reacted to Islamic expansion. I think it goes back to that and the the conquerors themselves, mm-hmm. how they, uh, how they, how to say, how they, the their their ideas of this, their idea of Islam and the way they taught people Islam. I think so. This one, this is one reason and. Also, history of colonialisms, uh-huh. maybe current rulers. It, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but for me, the thing is like, especially when it comes to Muslim women. Mm. I as, as as a kid mm-hmm. in my school, there was absolutely no Muslims. Mm-hmm. On maybe one or two mm-hmm. guys. That's it. And then I went to college, mm-hmm. and then and that's when I like first started to meet. Uh, Muslim girls of yeah. India and I was totally blown aback because the how do you say the picture of what an Islamic girl would be is like they're very reserved they mm. don't want yeah, to yeah. talk to you <laughs> they're always to themselves True. they don't want to talk to men yeah. like that but once I went to college I realized like if there's a Muslim girl she starts speaking there's no way shutting her up she's gonna <laughs> talk and talk and talk and there's so fun to talk to and yeah. you're kind of the same <laughs> you have that vibe to where you're open to conversation yeah. and you enjoy talking to True. and i was like really it changed my perspective on yeah that. and i know it might sound sexist but muslim girls they they make the most amazing food at least in India, at least in India. I'm sorry if it doesn't sound sexist or anything. Depends on the interpretation of the person. But I had this friend, her name was Taslima. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to her house for her iftar. Yeah, and her mom used to make amazing food. Her mom was the same. She starts talking. And then I stop being her. She just keeps on talking. 
<laughs> and Tuslim was the same. And there were like so many good friends I had. And even this, I, I, it's kind of same in Russia too. Like this one girl called Milana. She's mm. like the only Muslim girl in my class. And she talks to me the most, even mm. though she doesn't speak English. We, yeah. I speak in Russian with her and she's like always up to... Up and she's like, starts an extra work character. Mm. She's really fun. And it is... I, I, I kind of changed my view on that yeah. after being exposed. It's not just... And people are like... I don't know if it's the case for you, but when when I see how people like try... To, when they try to talk to me, non-Muslims mostly, and... They are always careful because they wouldn't. I, I am like that. I'm very. I'm trying. I try to be very respectful yeah, with Muslim yeah, women. Very respectful because we've been kind of as a Hindu dude who grew up as Hindu. Yeah. We've been kind of made to look at Muslim girls as something to be careful about. Honestly, you don't want to upset. A Define woman. careful. Define careful. Yeah. Define careful in the sense like fear or not fear, not fear, like. I would have to have a filter of what ah. I'm saying with her, mm-hmm. the way I interact with her, mm-hmm. maybe like platonic touches, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, I, 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 they're like women from Afghanistan. Like, I usually do like a hand pump, like yeah. with anyone I meet. I did it with you today. Yeah. But with some women from Afghanistan, they don't want to have True. contact with yeah. one of the men. So that cultural aspect... But that's not true. Even Sri Lankan girls don't want to have. There's yeah. some girls are like that. So yeah. it's very subjective. So for me, there's always this um, subconscious thought on how I should behave myself mm-hmm. with the Muslim woman. But I have more of that. I have that with all women, uh. especially in Rudin, because so many cultures, so many different sensibilities yeah, and what's right and what's wrong. So yeah. like, that's why I'm a big fist bump guy. Like <laughs> most cultures accept that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that has been a really eye-opening experience for me. So, <laughs> just want to put that in. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, we are close to three hours. We can wow. talk about one more thing. Because if it goes more than three hours, then we have to, like, divide it into two different uh, parts of it. So, can we just talk about the Arab Spring? Okay. And then we'll <laughs> conclude this. Okay. What do you want to talk? What do you want to talk? You about? told that you did so uh, from I, like I, a Nigerian perspective, the way that we okay, were. Okay, like, I'll start from an outsider's perspective, okay. a non Arab, and you can like bring it in mm-hmm. as to what you guys thought of it in the beginning of the Arab Spring. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I thought it was like a revolution in which a lot of autocratic dictatorships were being removed and people's democracies were bring, were being brought into. Yeah. A lot of Arab countries who have been for a long time under one particular person. That was 2010. Yeah. Few years later, I changed my mind. It left it. power vacuums in Syria and Libya and Iraq and other places, which became fertile breeding ground for groups like ISIS to take control and turn that. So it's like a societal collapse. Yeah. And the people there suffered yeah. much much worse than how they were suffering under the dictatorship yeah. and this opened up like a space for foreign powers for free, yeah. like Turkey, United States and Russia, Russia to become yeah. middle in the affairs of Middle Eastern yeah. countries what your perspective from the beginning to the middle to what we have now how, how has your perspective changed like mine have yeah it definitely like it's definitely like yours we all thought that, oh, this is like, this is the end of the dictatorship. 
this is like revolution, real revolution. And because it succeeded in Tunisia, Tunisia, yeah. we had hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. But obviously, I mean, people so people hate to talk about conspiracy theories, but this is definitely a conspiracy theory. Everything that happened, especially in the Middle East. I mean, Libya, yes, was also was destroyed in the Arab Spring, but there was this, I'm gonna, I'll send you this video where this uh, American, he's not a soldier, he's like a general or something, mm-hmm. American, he was talking that, he was saying that they, he, they were given orders, they were given orders that in a period of five years, seven Arab countries are gonna be down. That one in the sense, won't have a government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was, all of this was like, it goes back to the U.S. took the major part in this. Yes, they they took advantage that the governors were corrupt. Mm-hmm. It's like divide and conquer. Right. Yeah. So, for example, if you talk Syria, for example, mm-hmm. people uh, were, okay, I don't know if you're serious, they're going to listen to this. They're going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was made. It was, but it, there's this root. I don't know. Is, how is it called in uh, in English? But it's. Wait, let me see. Anyways, it just. Uh, the US started do, making their uh, military bases in Syria. Mm-hmm. For this, because there was. Let me see, let me see, how is it called in English? Silk Road? It's okay, literally yeah. translated. Okay, I don't, know, I don't know if you heard about this. But mm, Silk Road? It's like, it's for trading. Yeah, there it's used to be trade. a Silk Road, an ancient Silk Road through Central yeah. Asia and India and China. The... It was like the reason why they started the the thing. Anyway, so I think Syrian with you should have a Syrian who would talk about this. I hope so me. soon yeah. enough. Yeah, but yeah, this is as I said. It just it's not about what the people want anymore. Arab Spring. They took advantage that, as I said, the governors were corrupt. Mm-hmm. So they let the people take the streets, and. And then, yeah, boom, everything happens. But I would say that the, the major reason is the U.S. Is it? Yeah. I really, I wouldn't, I, I don't know, I don't know what to talk about this because I'm not Syrian. Right. Because we really should have it. If you want to talk about this, you have it. You would I have, should have a Syrian. I should have a Syrian. And a Libyan. But, yeah. And Egyptian. Yeah, they, they would know better. True. Yeah, but this is why, this is why it... It right. went from being oh the revolution dream, yeah and like the a sign of dream. hope to something which yeah could have turned things around. Well, I think we have reached almost three hours and we have three minutes to conclude this. Okay. And do you have anything else to say to the audience about Algeria, in very short amount of time? <laughs> Come visit Algeria. <laughs> Sponsored by Algerian Sponsored by. Tourism Board. <laughs> well. I would like to say like Algeria has always been a really fascinating country for me and North Africa in general is Mm -hmm. a really interesting part of the world. I hope one day if I am able to learn French and Arabic, which you're going to teach me. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. after the exams, you can think about that. 
want to can teach me i would like love to come to this part of the world mm-hmm. because it's really interesting and i am big fan of your culture mm-hmm. of your people of your football <laughs> <laughs> the Which most is, imp- yeah. the most important part and i'm I'm really glad that I found you by chance in the Wait, library. Well, thanks to Cleda. <laughs> thanks to Cleda. Yeah, thank you, Cleda. Shout out, Cleda. Shout out, Cleda. And uh, I really enjoy the podcast. I really enjoy doing research for this. Really? For me, yeah. you have done a good research. Really. Thank you. Yeah, That's my favorite part. Doing research is yeah. my favorite part, and talking to you is like how do you say, continuing that research and yeah. finding new parts to encourage that. Encourage that. Mm-hmm you know part of curiosity so for me it's been a really amazing podcast usually i don't things don't go three hours and it's really 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 epic this was really really epic and yeah so i really enjoyed this really me too okay uh, people we started the podcast even before because we were talking dude this podcast started one week back yeah (laughs) honestly so yeah so before it hits three hours and Mm -hmm. i have to cut this into two parts i like to conclude this and say thank you again shaima thank Thank you you for your time it's been a pleasure and i hope more people learn something important about algeria and i hope so thank you thanks for having me you're welcome and with that we come to the end of algeria see you again next time somewhere in the world thank you (laughs)